0: This is episode number 149 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is August 22nd, 2020. I'm Robert Ring. With me is Mr. Jay Totoro. Hello. Good evening. Good evening, Jay. And also with us, I'm very excited about this, is Hungry Gurria. HG, I'll refer to you as HG, so I don't have to say Hungry Gurria all the time. How are you doing tonight?
1: not doing too badly. Um, hanging in there, all things considered, but...
0: All things considered. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All things considered. Um, so, so HG, I'm, I'm very excited, first of all, to have you on and thank you for joining us, by the way. Yeah. Um, Thank you
1: very much for thinking of me. Uh, I was really honored for the invitation.
0: Well, I don't know if you should be honored, but we are happy that you're here. (laughs) Um, so, so if you're not familiar with Hungry Guria, do do you prefer Hungry Guria or Hungry Gurria or do you even have any...
1: it doesn't phase me one way or the other. People, I guess, have just kind of sorted out to calling me "hungry" mostly these days, which okay. is also weird because that word has now lost all meaning to me. It's now <laughs> a moniker. HG usually goes better. Whatever right. you're comfortable with, I couldn't care less, to be honest. So whatever floats your boat.
0: Let's go with "hungry guria. I think that's. I, I think some people. I think I've, I think tra- I remember Travis on Drunk Friend pronouncing it "goria." Gari- I think Travis is just wrong on this one. Just, just make a call out real quick. Are you trying to create a beef right now? Yeah, I am actually. Um, but yeah, so I'm gonna go with guria But yeah, I probably, I'll probably fall back to HG for the vast majority of the episode. So HG, um, for those who aren't familiar with you, you have uh, a Twitch and a YouTube channel, I guess are are your prominent things, um, where you play mostly NES and like Game Boy and and old Sega Genesis stuff. You know, classic, classic games um of that era and uh i guess you know we 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 talk about people having like kind of like what's your what's your slant on your channel like we have gaming jay on a lot and his thing is he's going through the 1001 games before you die book um you know i don't really know you know we have snes drunk on a lot of course i don't know that that he really has much of a slant to his channel besides just being you know uh, Super Nintendo base and it's just like him giving quick little rundowns of everything. And I kind of view you the same as, as really both of them in some way, but, but a little bit more towards Alex where it's just, you kind of just, just doing your thing. And I, and if you do have kind of a, uh, you know, a, a slant to your approach of these videos, I think I would mimic what, what Travis said when you were on the drunk friend podcast, which is, it's just, it's just, your videos are very relaxing to watch and listen to. Um, It's almost kind of the antithesis to the more kind of, you know, popular, not maybe among us, but among like kids where it's somebody just screaming nonstop a million like jump cut edits now, like, you know, every second zooming in and out of faces and all that kind of stuff. Whereas yours is like, you know, we're going to play this game. Here are my thoughts on it. And I'm going to kind of play it live and give you, it's, it's different where it's not like, here are some clips of a game that I played, and here are my thoughts. I guess some of them are like that, but but a lot of them are also. I'm going to play a game, I'm going to kind of give my thoughts as we play, and just kind of you know talk about what's going on, and we're just going to kind of we're just going to kind of chill out for a little while. Do you think, as long-winded as that was, do you think that's an accurate uh, description of 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 your Twitch and uh, and YouTube stuff?
1: Yeah, I would say you're pretty much bang on. If I had to kind of pare that down a bit and and focus what you've mentioned there a little bit more, I would mostly lean toward all of those efforts being more of like a buffet of someone who's very, very late to a lot of retro gaming. So it might seem like there's no direct focus. I play a little bit of Sega Master System. I play some Game Boy. I play NES. I play Super Nintendo once in a while. And it's just a big mishmash because I had so little exposure outside of the games that I grew up with as a kid. So now, as a as a collector, I have this collection that I want to be able to experience and play through. And I find these games that not a lot of people have talked about or have played that I kind of want to focus on and bring to the forefront. And it also doesn't help me that I've managed to fall head over heels in love with the Sega Master System and oh, really? that library, right? So just like diving straight into that and finding such wonderful games that A lot of people at least in north america anyway really have never talked much about or focused on and so i've latched onto that among other kind of more obscure things like game boy rpgs or little i don't want to say little known nes stuff but lesser known nes stuff as well so that's kind of where i'm coming from i don't want to hit all of the big titles you know so many people have done that already so i'm kind of coming in from the sidelines in my thirties now <laughs> playing so many of these games for the first time and just taking people on a walk with me when we're doing it in a live stream and then trying to condense my thoughts down when I'm actually sitting down to write a review or something like that. So
0: gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense because actually now, now that you say that I think you hit on two things that, that, that have, that have actually really stood out to me uh, about your channel aside from just that kind of the relaxing nature of it all, which is one, there's a very wide variety of stuff i mean you're you've got plenty of, R- of rpgs of course but you've got uh point and click adventure you know like ported to the nes point and click adventure games you've got super classic rpgs like ultima and then you've even got stuff like uh i, for- oh, I forgot what it was but it's it's the monster truck racing game
1: oh it's bigfoot yeah bigfoot, bigfoot <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so you know very wide variety but also like you said lesser you know maybe lesser known or lesser talked about games i did not like i've learned about multiple games from specifically from your channel that i did not know about beforehand one of which the the two that stand out the most were one i did not know that there i somehow i didn't know that there was a king's quest 5 version on the nes which is uh that blew my mind i was like is this real is this is this something that somebody you know like you know how people still make games that'll run on NES nowadays. I was like, "Is this some fan project that someone did?" But no there there was an official King's Quest five release for the NES. That's uh, that just blows my mind because I never knew about that. Um, and also the other one was a uh, was Great Greed for Game Boy, which uh, mm-hmm. seems like a very unique and pretty good RPG.
1: Yeah, I would say. With great greed anyway, it just totally blew me away. And I guess my my perception of Game Boy was always, well, it's the Game Boy. It's a handheld. The games are going to be brief, yeah. not too complex, you know, and like the same kinds of stereotypes that I'm sure a lot of people would have toward Game Boy. But I found myself just tumbling down this rabbit hole of wonderful experiences on that console and great greed, especially is probably, I think it's risen up to one of my very favorite games just because wow. of how unique it is and how different the battles are in the soundtrack. Like it's goofy, it's humorous. Yeah. Like there's so much about it that's so different from every other RPG experience that I've had that. And I said it in, at the end of that video that I would be sad going forward playing other games again, missing what I liked about Great Greed in those games. And that has been absolutely <laughs> true. Really? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's a
0: there's a character named Microwave. You can't beat that.
1: Exactly, and like just the food themed enemies. Like, there's so many funny enemies in that game that just have the most ridiculous names. Like, you fight silly things that are so disconnected from the actual plot, which is like an environmental subplot about taking care of your Earth and stuff like that. And then you're just (laughs) out there fighting like pudding and chicken legs and all of these different types of things and it's just so bizarre but in the best way and it just resonated with me on on a level that it's kind of I, I haven't been able to forget it
0: it's kind of vaguely like earthbound in that way yeah interesting
1: absolutely and then i wanted to just mention too for king's quest five that was actually i think my introduction to point and clicks oh ouch <laughs> yeah so like i played that game when i was a kid and also mm. Curse of Monkey Island, and I played King's Quest six, but I'm pretty sure that I played those the latter two later on. But I loved King's Quest five, and I know that I've seen a few videos online where people are like, "Oh, it's a horrible port; you should never play that one. Always go for the PC one." I love it. Like there's something really? so nostalgic about it, yeah. And I just adore it. And I I played it through on stream last year sometime, and I was just smitten with everything that was just coming back to me because I played so few games. There's very few times I can come back to something at this state in life and just re-experience a piece of my childhood again. And that was just an indescribable experience. So
0: I so, loved it. So your first exposure to that was the NES version. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah,
1: And I didn't find out till a long time later about Cedric and his terrible voice and, Oh, you the know, owl. The- The poisonous steak line and all. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? He doesn't talk in the NES game. (laughs) And eventually it all kind of fell into place. But I still have not yet played the PC version. And I would like to. I do have it now. I've managed to find it in a thrift store somewhere. But I haven't gotten around to it yet.
0: Well, you know, it's one of those games. I I do not have very good uh, things to say about that game in general. But I will say... I did like it when I was when I was little. It does have good things about it, uh, but I mean the you know as obviously the the game the game itself is the same as the NES port. Just besides you know obviously plus plus gra- plus better graphics, and uh, I do remember that game looking really good. You know particularly for the time. So uh, so yeah, it's 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 pretty much what you'd expect. I think so. I don't think you'll have too many surprises going into that. Yeah. Um. Okay, cool. Well, um, so everybody make sure you check out Hungry Guria's YouTube channel and Twitch channel. And, uh, I guess if it's cool with you guys, we'll start talking about, uh, some classic gaming related news that's been happening, uh, recently. We good to go on that? Yeah. All right. Okay. Let's roll then. Um, awesome games done quick was this week.
2: Yeah. It's finishing up right now, actually.
0: Yeah. It's finishing up tonight. As we record this, um, I didn't remember, I, it always catches me off guard. Like I never know when it's coming, but then I'll always happen to find out exactly when it starts. Just luck, just by pure luck somehow. And so I've been watching it this week. Um, HG, is that something that you watch very often when they run those events?
1: I do. I haven't really watched much of it this year, though, for the same reason I think that you just mentioned, it just kind of crept up on me. Mm-hmm. And this was also my first week back to work as well. <laughs> unfortunately, oh, okay. so The timing just totally bowled me over. I've been really tired this week. But I do know a few people that have been to that event in the past in person. I don't know how it's even running this year. There, um, it's purely online not... this year yeah so i i know a few speedrunners that have been there and have done runs or races and things and like i i know a lot of speedrunners through twitch but yeah this year just have not been able to catch anything unfortunately
0: gotcha i've kind of had it on on like in the background or you know like on my side monitor while while i've been doing work throughout the week and uh, it's always a fun thing just to have going throughout the week it's uh i just pulled it up to see how much they've raised so far so they're doing so this one is for doctors without borders as of right now, they've raised one million seven hundred eighty-five thousand dollars, which is, I think, maybe a little bit less than usual, but but pretty close still. Usually, they get up in the twos, and uh, you know, for for multiple reasons, uh, it's understandable that it's a little bit less this year, but uh, they're still killing it. And I'll say, like, they've done a fantastic job of of kind of transitioning to online only. It really doesn't feel to me like they really have lost much. Of the fun or of the appeal of it or anything like that it's they've done a really good job with it so uh if you if you hadn't seen that you probably it, it'll be done before you uh before you hear this episode but you should go back and watch some of the vods if, if you're a listener and you didn't get to check it out yet this year because uh it's it was a really good event and they and they handled it really well
2: yeah and they're really good about getting the vods up and putting them like in a very succinct way so which is really nice
0: yeah. All right. What else? Um, I just lost all my notes. Okay. Here, here we go. Uh, the Japanese RPG moon are either of you guys familiar with this? Because I was not until I read about this news. Have you heard of moon? It's like, an old, so. it's a PS one RPG that was released only in Japan. Um, apparently it was a huge inspiration for undertale. And, oh wow! Yeah, but I mean, it it predates it by a long time, of course. It's, yeah, but um, it's a big inspiration for Undertale. Uh, this is from Destructoid. This this they gave in, in their article about this. Um, they gave a quick description of it, and it says, and you can clearly see the the Undertale influence here. They said, uh, "Moon features a young boy who is sucked into a classic video game known as Moon World, where he follows around." the hero of the adventure and witnesses the devastation they leave when they move on to the next quest. Rather than fighting monsters to gain XP, the boy grows with the power of love. He unlocks from the souls of fallen monsters. That is just the type of feel good game I could use right now. Um, and then, so anyway, the, the whole reason I'm bringing this up is it's getting a switch port that's coming out uh, August 27th. So oh, super cool. Yeah, it's really cool. and It's the first time it's been localized uh, into English. So that's That's, really surprising.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I think I had heard about it from Daria Plays RPGs. I think that she might have mentioned it. Maybe Mm. she even had a video on it. I'm trying to remember because I had a line in on that game and the translation and everything coming through and how excited everybody was. And that's just awesome. I love to see like a coherent, excellent localization for a game like that. Because so much of them, so many of them have just been trapped I don't want to put it in like a negative light, but inexperienced by so many other folks that I'm sure would love to have those experiences. So that's really great to hear.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited. And I never even knew about this and I'm, my interest is very piqued. So, uh, that's August 27th. When that comes out, uh, the Battletoads remake has been released. It's, uh, it's on Xbox one and windows. If you want to check that out. Um, the art style for this is I don't know if you guys have seen much about this. The art style isn't really doing it for me. But I've heard that the uh, that the game is is not bad. That is that's a pretty good, you know, if if you know what you're getting into, kind of like classic style just kind of beat them up, you know, similar of course to the to the original Battletoads. But um I've heard other people say the same thing about the art. It's just kind of uh, I don't know. You have to look at it to see. It looks like what a lot of kids cartoon art lately looks like, which is kind of I don't know really how to describe it, like not abstract, but everything's kind of like a little bit extra cartoonized to some extent with like, like really sharp angles on a lot of the characters and that kind of stuff. And it's just not a style that I love, but it's out if you want to check it out. Um, I guess this is vaguely classic related just cause it's Pikmin, but, uh, not technically cause it's Pikmin three specifically, but anyway, I, we're, we're going to talk about it. Pikmin three deluxe has been announced for switch um it's coming out october 30th it's going to of course be the original pikmin 3 plus they're adding like some new content they're going to add a co-op mode and apparently i apparently pikmin 3 had dlc and and this one is going to have all the dlc that that uh, that was released for that game D- have either of y'all jay i know you've played one and two have either of y'all played pikmin 3
2: no not as of yet yeah i played the first two I Played the first one
0: pretty extensively in the second one a decent amount but no i think it was maybe a wii u game
1: it was okay. yeah pikmin 3 is on wii u i've played none of them unfortunately okay again very late to the party on all the gaming but
0: right <laughs> yeah. um yeah well i haven't played it either so um i don't know if this is generally considered good or not but it's there it's like nintendo they're continuing the uh Anything that came out on Wii U that's worth playing, we need to get it on the Switch so people will actually play it. Now it's kind of uh, a <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't have any complaints. It's kind of the next step in that. Um, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Remastered is coming out, uh, or is being the, the remastered version is coming out uh, on Switch also, August twenty seventh. I haven't played this one either. Have either of you guys? I did I, a little bit. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. HG. Oh,
1: I was just going to say I have not, but didn't that already get re-released or is that, maybe I'm thinking of something totally different.
0: It might have been, maybe not, maybe on another, maybe it was on another console that it's, that it's already come out on. Okay. Yeah. Cause uh, it's ringing a bell, possible. but
1: I, I don't know. But yeah, I, I unfortunately again, have not played. You're going to get that a lot from me. I haven't <laughs> played that yet.
0: <laughs> Jay, what were you going to say? Have you played this? I played a little bit, but it's been a long time, so I'm kind of curious.
2: I'll, I'm actually going to take a look into it because that know, might be something.
0: Do you have organizing. any idea? Do you have any idea if it's good?
2: Um, no, actually, I remember. I remember. I remember playing it, but I don't remember it being like exceptionally good or exceptionally bad. Just kind of middle ground.
0: Okay, but it's been a long time. Oh, okay, it looks like oh, I pulled up the Wikipedia article. Um. Okay, I don't see exactly when it, it looks like it's been announced, like, th- it looks like it's had multiple release dates that it hasn't quite hit yet. Um, so I don't know if it may be, without reading through this in detail, I don't know if it's already come out on other things or not. It looks like it either has or will be out on PS4 and also iOS and Android. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So anyway, it was originally a GameCube game. I don't know anything about it but it's uh the remastered version is coming out on switch uh, on the 27th. What else we got? Oh, last thing. This was I got this news from uh, nintendoenthusiast.com. The Switch has surpassed the NES in lifetime sales with 62 million. Wow. That's nuts.
1: That's a big number.
0: It is. The um it's crazy how like, how well the Switch is doing. I mean, it's, it's not surprising, given, you know, how how honestly good it, the system is. Yeah. But, uh... Like, surpassing NES and Lifetime sales of... You know, obviously not too surprising that it also beat the Wii U, but it beat the Wii U's Lifetime sales, like, in a year. Uh... A know, Wii U. Yeah, for really. Wii U. It then, it, it wasn't the best launch of all time, but, uh... It has its... It had its moments, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, those moments being re-released, to the Switch though. Exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, what's crazy about the Switch too is, I mean, they've been so so consistent on the uh, the approach they've been taking with some of the new titles and ideas that they've been working through. But even more, it's like they 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 know how to balance it by re-releasing other games as well from a variety of different systems. I think they're doing a phenomenal job just making sure to keep things coming out for it. Do you know? Does that article say if it's the NES like when it says lifetime, does that include the NES Mini as well?
0: I no, so, no. It's just, well, no it's just talking about the nes but sure. i don't think the nes mini i mean they it sold really well but they didn't make a ton of those so i don't think that would have much impact on the that makes sense on the numbers uh that's all i got for news jay anything that you want to bring up anything else going on i know we, we we haven't had any blizzard shitting on news in a while is there anything else is there anything on that front
2: yeah they did one thing oh really? week. i haven't fully <laughs> i haven't fully um dived into it as of right now but my understanding is there's a player that um was set up to play in a tournament for them and they adjusted his time for his play to be like a couple hours earlier than what was scheduled and they didn't tell him and he didn't show up so they find him and then ultimately i think they either banned or restricted him from that specific tournament and he's a previous world championship and has been a part of like every tournament that they've had for hearthstone since the start, so of course people
0: are
2: super upset. Obviously, understandably, <laughs> it was just kind of funny. Oh, Blizzard! Yeah.
0: Can't stop, won't stop. That's <laughs> Blizzard's motto. <laughs> that is their motto, right now. Holy shit! Yeah. Okay. Now, now that you say that, I remember. I remember you telling me about that. Uh, when We were talking it's a few days good. ago. Okay. Well. Um, all right. So we got the we got this week's uh, shitting on Blizzard moment out of the way. Thank you, Jay, for that. Anytime. Anytime. Um. That's all the news then. Uh, why don't we talk about what games we've been playing. Jay, how about you go first, then HG will go, and I'll go.
2: Sure. That works for me. Uh, give me a second to
0: pull up my notes here.
2: Um, so, as I kind of talked about towards the end of our last episode, HG, you're going to be a little bit lost here. I apologize, because this is going to be a game that I guarantee you probably have never even heard of, so... Um, in regards to uh, one of the things I talked about at the end of our last episode, Robert, was I want to start going back and playing uh, a lot of old-school MMOs. So this one, actually, in majority of the MMOs I'm going to start playing over the next little bit here. Uh, they are going to be, hopefully, for the most part, within our, our window of 2005, but some of them are going to surpass it by a little bit, just kind of based on, you know, the fact that MMOs were really big between, like, 2002 and probably 2009. That was, sure, like, the yeah, biggest yeah. time that I remember when MMOs were getting released so with that said, um, the game that I played for this episode of the podcast um, is called Warhammer Age of Reckoning. This game came out in okay. 2008. So again, I know, I know it's on the window, but um, this is a game made by EA, don't worry, and Mythic. Uh, <laughs> Mythic Entertainment is very big in the M.O.C. They had a very successful MMO that was released in the late 90s, early 2000s called Dark Age of Camelot. That was one of the, it's considered be <laughs> one of the classics. It, it's, you know, it has... Early graphic, like super early graphics, super early connections. Um, I believe it was one of the MMOs that had the ability to order food through the interface, like like uh, EverQuest did as well. Oh, like like those... in
0: real life, food is that what you're talking about? Yeah, there
2: was like a button that I remember in EverQuest. I think it was EverQuest specifically. Was... I think they had a deal with Pizza Hut, and you could basically click the button and it would bill your subscription, or your subscribed <laughs> account, and <laughs> a... you'd have a pizza delivered to your house. Yeah, I feel like South Park nailed that pretty pretty accurately. Um, But yeah, so this game came out in 2008. This is by Mythic and EA. Um, And Warhammer is a game that I have very fond memories of. So this game came out in 2008 again. So during that time, this is, WoW is at its, it's going into its third expansion. And during its third expansion, it was at the peak of its subscriber rate. So this is a, a time when nothing could touch, nothing could touch World of Warcraft. It was Blizzard's, you know, prodigy and nobody was playing. Every MMO that came out during that time was like, this is going to be the wild killer, it flops. This is going to be right. the wild killer, it flops, and so on and so forth. So Warhammer came in, and essentially what they did is they essentially tried to do something very similar to World of Warcraft while adding their own little flavor to it and and basically fixing some of the stakes that uh, World of Warcraft had. Hold on one second, I'm going to change my mic. Okay, I had to push the I was on my phone. Oh, okay. So um, so th- this game, so they, they, they did a couple things really, really well. So the first thing I want to mention is this is based in the Warhammer um, fantasy series. So if you've played any of the Warhammer 40K games, this is that, that, that kind of world, right? So you have um, the, the same, I, I believe the lore is, is aligned with some of the Warhammer games. I don't know specifically which ones. I've read the lore a little bit, but it doesn't, it didn't really do a whole lot for me. But realistically with MMO's story isn't usually the key thing that really draws people in. Um it can help to bring people over if they played, you know, like we talked about wow, came from an RTS and you know, that that kind of built a connection for people or, or, or sort of bridge in a way. Uh, but as well, usually the lore is kind of like the cherry on top, right? If if the game plays good, if um, if it's engaging, if it's challenging, it's all there, and then you just like kind of sprinkle the the lore on top of it or the story that, that's built around it, it just kinda of adds a little something special to it. So um, unfortunately, this game didn't really do a whole lot for me, but I will say the characters and the, the sort of art style that goes with it is very attractive. Um, so the graphics obviously aren't anything okay. crazy, but it's really the designs that they went with and and realistically um, how, they, how they differentiated the races and the classes. So in the game, I'm going to pull up the different races because I actually don't know all the names of the different races. So hold on one second. Let me make my So definitely good.
0: Yeah, I'm pulling up the uh, some some screenshots right now while you're doing that, and uh, this is a good-looking game.
2: It, it is, and at the time, I mean, it was it was good because you know WoW WoW takes a very cartoonish approach, right? right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and I've always appreciated WoW's graphics. Warhammer has has its own little kind of unique style to it that I've, I've definitely always appreciated. I agree. So- it's like
0: still kind of cartoony, but not as much as WoW. It's not as exaggerated, right? Yeah, that, that's kind of the way I look at it. So, so first off, the, the
2: one thing that, that's very interesting for me with this game, and if you guys can hear the background noise, let me know so I can close my door.
0: I can um, hear it, but it's not okay. a big deal if you want to. you sure?
2: Okay, if it gets it's, if it gets yeah, going yeah. Okay, just keep it posted. So one of the the really exciting things about this game is the first thing is there are a number of races, right? So there are six races. Each race has four unique classes built into it. So right there, six times four is twenty-four. So there's twenty-four unique-ish, and I'm doing air quotes classes because there are obviously some similarities. Because it'd be really hard to create twenty-four sort of totally unique, yeah, yeah. So there's two primary factions, um, and the two factions have three, three races, respectively. So you have, on one side, you have the dwarves, the high elves, and empire, which are the humans. And then on the other side, you have chaos, dark elves, and green skins, which are essentially orcs. Within each one of those, generally, there is one caster, one healer, one DPS, and one tank. That's why there's four classes per race. And each one of them is different. So the dwarves have an ironbreaker, ironbreaker, which, which is a tank. They have an Engineer, which is, oddly enough, it's like a specialist DPS. They have a Slayer, which is like a melee DPS. And then they have a Rune Priest, which is a healer. And what's interesting is is when I say, you know, they have a tank, they have a healer, you know, they have a, a DPS. They have two real DPSs beyond that. It, it's not always cookie cutter. It's not always one caster. There could be a specialist. And as well, some of the tanks that there are uh, are more focused on DPS, which makes it a little bit more enticing. So I have played a lot. Of, I played a lot of the classes back when I played it for the first time. But this time, I, I stuck with two specific ones. Which the first one was I played the green skin race. Um, I played a Black Orc, which is essentially a tank. And at the same time, I also played one of the classes I remember really enjoying, which is uh, Chaos, I, and I played a Zealot. So Chaos is the race, and the Zealot is the class. Um, and what it is, is it is, and the Zealot I enjoyed way more than than the, the Green Orc, or the Black Orc, excuse me, but I'll talk about it in a second. The Zealot is sort of, it's intended to be a healer, but it has these really interesting mechanics that, while leveling, obviously, you need to be able to do damage, right? So while you're leveling, it has certain mechanics that work alongside it that essentially say the more damage you do, the more healing you're going to do for a short time. So it challenges you That's to cool. balance while do, while do damage and then switching over to healing at the same time, which I really enjoy the black orc is just a giant meat shield, and what I love about the Greenskins in this game is their dialogue is hilarious. They say, you know, so so the orcs, uh, the black orc has multiple of these different sort of stances, and the way it works is like it's kind of like a rage mechanic. Where like the more you get hit, the more stuff you do, it kind of builds up. But really, it's like you're basically switching between like an offensive stance, a neutral stance, and a defensive stance. But it's called like no plan, the good plan, and the great plan. <laughs> And, and your character, it, it, everything. You know, there's voice acting in the game, and so you can imagine, you know, with me just saying that the orcs talk like that all the time, and they say some really funny and really stupid things. But it just it it really does a good job of it, it kind of exemplifying the race and and building sort of an environment around it. And what's funny too is there's the, there's a race called or there's a class called the Squid herder, which is like these little goblins, right? They're these tiny little goblins, and there's also shamans for the greenskins, which are these tiny little. Um, goblins as well and the way that they interact with the orcs is really funny because they're very small obviously and the orcs are very large so the dialogue that goes between them is, is kind of funny uh, which is pretty cool for the chaos they're kind of like in, in a lot of emos they're sort of like the the emo undead type race <laughs> so they're they're played a lot um, and they have you know really kind of pessimistic one-liners and just you know some unique things to it so Each race has its own uh, specific starting zone, which is pretty cool. It has an introductory, which it's very similar to WoW in that regard. It just kind of sets you up to say, like, this is how it's happening in the world, and you're here to fix it, right? In the simplest one, that's kind of what what you're told, and then you just kind of get dropped into it. And what I like about this game is, uh, what I like about this game right off the bat is you know where to go very quickly. And for me, I have a lot of experience playing MMOs. If you give me a quest log that says, like, hey, you need to go to this zone and find these mobs, I'll spend the entire day looking for them. I'll find them. But for a lot of players, that's not what they're looking for. They right. want a little bit more, they want parameters. They want guardrails to help them, to guide them through their their, um, their adventure, right? This game does it very clear. So there's a highlighted area. It's larger than the actual target is, but it's like, hey, in this general area, this is what we're looking for. Or in certain cases, there's a big red arrow that points within the same area saying, like, hey, go here. There's icons on the map that help you to understand where you're going as well. And then very quickly, they introduce you to how to identify quests and vendors, trainers, and all the other fun stuff. They make it very... The the introductory area is very successful. It does a great job of introducing you to the game and the mechanics of it, and they teach you some of the things, because in certain quests, you'll have to loot things off the ground and then use those looted items to interact with some sort of mechanic in order to progress in the quest. They do a great job of really opening us up to say, like, these are the different things you're going to be doing. At the same time, you're also getting introduced to your character and by the time you sort of finish the starting zones, you know very quickly if you're going to enjoy that character or if it's not going to do anything for you at all. So right off the bat, that is something that for, well, Warcraft was very challenging in the early days. WoW originally was this game where you just kind of got dropped and it's like, you're on an adventure, figure it out. And, and you know, the quest a lot is there and it tells you roughly where you need to go or it gives you a general idea, but it may not give you specifics. You may be hunting around or asking people, right? Socializing um, in order to figure things out. So. It has kind of a good and bad element you know I've talked about this before them the MMOs, quality of life things are great until they're not there's a certain level where if you keep pushing quality of life suggestions over and over and over the game gets so watered down to where the game's essentially autopilot so okay, I don't yeah, I'm yeah. not saying that I'm not saying this game got there but it just just a, for me it's 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 a very difficult thing to balance um, so are you saying so but
0: did, did they get close to that or no I wouldn't think no, so okay. I think I think
2: it's, it's it's a good balance this game okay. is hard this game is very hard. Uh, th- this is a game where if you, they, they do a good job of giving you all the tools, you have to then take those tools, um, build your character. And when I say build your character, it's really just understanding how your character works in order to be successful. Okay. So with my, with my Black Orc, not a great character for soloing. Uh, so I, I feel bad for anybody who's playing that class for the first time, because uh, I imagine it'd be very challenging to really understand how to survive, right? Because you're a melee class you don't have the opportunity to escape uh, like a caster does, like a hunter does, or like a healer may be able to do just by healing themselves and then running away. So um, now uh, for the zealot, the zealot is super fun and really challenging, and I, I can't tell you how much I just got completely zoned in. So one of the key things about this game that I really enjoy, and this is something that I don't know if they were the first ones to do it, but they were the first ones to do it well, it's called uh, public quests, also known as PQs. This is something that Final Fantasy XIV adopted heavily um, in the original release of their game. And essentially what this is, is on the map, there are these there are different locations that have sort of a treasure chest icon. And it says public quest and it's titled whatever it is. It tells you how many players should be suggested for it and the difficulty, right? It could be novice, easy, normal, difficult, hard, whatever it is. And that gives you an idea of like, okay, there's a public quest and it tells you what level it's on. And I'll explain that in a minute. So essentially, if you see that, if you see a public quest in the area, well, shoot, I, I want to do the public quest because the public quests for me as a player, are one of the most fun things to do. Because it's essentially Robert and I are questing in this zone together, and then we just happen to kind of bump into this public quest. Well, suddenly, Robert and I are, are hanging out, and we're socializing, and we're interacting with each other, and we have this, this objective that we're trying to accomplish together. And it's exciting because it's something that generally you can't solo, so it forces sort of socializing, it forces people to be in groups. And then there's a, there's a certain level of challenge and communication that comes into it. So the when I was playing my zealot, which again I talked about, is is a it's supposed to be a healer, but it does a ton of damage and it has some really cool mechanics to it. Well, me doing that is very useful for public quests, right? Because if you go to an area where there's a public quest going on, mm-hmm. adding additional damage is great, but also being able to heal is even better. Yeah, people like mods, that. Yeah, you know, if you, if people people generally give you a five star. Now, <laughs> Um, so the Zealot, uh, for anybody who's played a lot of, who's played WoW is very similar to a Priest. Um, it has a lot of damage over time type effects. It has shields. It has heals. Um, it has some direct damage spells. Uh, one thing I do want to say, though, is so a lot of them during this time mechanically went through this really weird thing and Guild Wars did this as well, whereas if you walk up to a mob or you use an ability, there's like this half second, like 500 millisecond delay before your action goes off. I don't know why MMOs during this time did this. I haven't been able to understand why. Originally, I thought it was my computer uh, back in the day, or there was some sort of latency with it. But playing it now on a private server, by the way, this is a private server because this game's obviously closed down, uh, I felt the same thing. There's like this half second of lag that exists, and it makes the game not, it feels, it makes the game uh, lack a level of fluidity. It it just kind of feels weird. So if you're casting, right? So if if you're kiting a mob, right? So you're casting a spell you charge it up, it finishes casting, and then you move. If you move at the, when, the, when the spell finishes, your cast is going to go off and you're going to be sitting there for half a second as well. There, there's this really kind of awkward delay. And Guild Wars 1 had the same thing, and I don't know why. I, I don't know if it was intentional or if it was how they do what's called batching. Um, this is something that WoW does. So essentially what batching is, is every so often, every half second, quarter second, whatever it is, the game registers all the inputs globally within the game and runs those. But if you do it at the beginning of that quarter second or half second timeline, you're going to wait until the end of that batch before it goes off. Whereas if you cast it at the end of the batch, then it would obviously go off immediately. And that's generally how MMOs have gotten around you know, managing world PvP, right? Because if Robert and I walk up to each other and we both hit a button at the same time, how does the system register what, who did what first? Right? So generally what they do is they, they have a batch system in place that basically says, it's kind of like a, a, a fulfillment center. right? So essentially all the packages get put together, all the spells, all the abilities, all the movements get put together. And then every half second it sort of shifts out of the factory and all those abilities that were queued up during that time go out and then interact with whatever they're doing. Which it was a little bit of a loss for me, but at the same time, it wasn't enough to deter me from playing. I got accustomed to it after a little while. Okay. So. Uh, Back to the PQ. So the PQs, the the ones that I was doing, so essentially maybe the beginning of the PQ is you have to go around and burn down a couple of uh, hay hay piles or you have to burn some carts or there was one where you have to damage graves, which I I don't want to know. I don't know. I don't want to know. But essentially, once you do that, then the second phase starts. And maybe you have to kill a bunch of weak mobs. And then the third phase starts and it's the boss or it's something really strong that you can't solo yourself. So, again, you have to work with groups. And so the first one I did was, like, you had to smash graves, you had to kill a bunch of weak mobs, and then this crazy demon dog thing spawned, and I tried to solo it, didn't go well. I didn't even get it below, like, 90% health, it crushed (laughs) me. So me and this guy, we grouped together, and we we tried to do it, just the two of us. And it was exciting because the longer this boss was live, the more damage it does. It has what's called like an enrage mechanic. So essentially, the longer the fight goes on, the stronger the boss gets. And then at a certain point, it's unhealable and it's just going to run around, run around and start one-shotting people. So we tried a few times, we wiped. But what we did ultimately is I would essentially do as much damage as I could, throw him a heal. Do as much damage as I could, throw him a heal. Because one of my one of the primary mechanics with this class is the more damage you do, your next healing spell does bonus healing. Which is, really, which is a really fun mechanic for me because I love that concept of really being efficient and managing your sort of resources as much as possible. As well, there's a mechanic like every time you heal, the, the mana cost of your next damaging spell goes down. So there's this really fun interaction where you're like, okay, I'm going to do a bunch of damage. I'm going to heal my, my ally. Maybe I'm just going to use Hots, which is, which is a heal over time. You know, whatever it is, it's just kind of managing all of your resources and making sure that obviously you don't let your partner die. Um, which we ended up beating it. And this is a very, very early on uh, public quest. It was like level three or level four or something, um, which was really fun and it was very exciting. And what's nice is the public quest register performance. So if you are the number one healer and the number one damage healer, you're going to get the best loot from that public quest. If the tank oh, does really? the most damage and takes the most damage, yeah, so it has a system that says, is this your first first time doing it, which part goes into the calculation, but as well, how was your performance? How much did you contribute? Were you a part of the first first two phases, or did you just come to the third phase? Oh, you just came for the third phase. Well, you're gonna put you're gonna be put on a lower priority list, and you're still gonna get something. It's just not gonna be as good as the people who started at the very beginning. So it, it's it, that's a very cool system to me because it you know rewards people for sitting there because some of the public quests, the first couple um, levels of it, they take a while. It could take you twenty or thirty minutes. So if I sit there for thirty minutes and get the first two phases done, and then you show up for the third phase and just help me kill the boss, like. It's kind of screwed up, right? You want to make right, sure right. that there's that, that balance in mind. So um, there's a bunch of these in every zone. So it, let's say levels one to 10, you might do like four or five of these. And they're very fun it, it and adds, it adds a nice variety to it. Because what one of the approaches that I believe they took, or at least from my perspective, is they wanted to create a variety in leveling. So you have questing, obviously. Grinding, they were not big fans of grinding. They, they did some definite, they put some things in place uh, in order to deter people from grinding. Uh, by basically reducing the amount of experience you get for killing things after a while. Uh, but at the same time, which is interesting, there's also a mechanic that was like, after you kill 50 of one creature, you just get like a surge of experience. Or they had it was sort of like a, a predated achievement system. So if you you know kill somebody in PvP, you get a bunch of free experience and you get recognized for it. if you kill 20 people in PvP, 50 people in PvP, if you kill X number of moths, if you you know mine a certain amount of resources, you're just kind of gifted some experience. But at the same time, the game also tried to deter you from grinding by reducing experience. During this time, uh, it was one of the criticisms of WoW was grinding. People don't really like mindless grinding, so a lot of MMOs and Warhammer being one of them, try to take the approach of, oh no, no, we're not going to have you do endless grinding. We're just going to have you do quests and public quests and dungeons and do things to, to interact uh, with other players. Which I am a big, per- I like grinding. I actually really do enjoy some mindless grinding, so. It didn't it wasn't like a, a deterrent or it didn't bother me, but I definitely felt that at times because grinding generally helps to round off some of the more difficult levels. So if you're leveling and you're very strong at level six and then seven, you're still strong, and then eight, you're getting weaker. But maybe you want to finish the zone, you know, just kind of grinding out the rest of the late, get to level nine so you feel good, and then leaving the zone is is pretty nice. But in this game, it was kind of challenging to do because again, they, they put some definite deterrence in place uh, to try and discourage you from doing so. Gotcha. So uh, PvP didn't see a whole lot there. Obviously, it's a private server. So I think the average player time was basically the average amount of players was like 600. So I didn't see a whole lot of world PvP, but Battlegrounds uh, were definitely popping. So so Battlegrounds are essentially, you know, an instanced area where you basically queue up for it uh, and then you join other people within your level bracket in order to go through and do different objectives through Battlegrounds. And Battlegrounds are very fun. PVP is really good. The interaction is definitely there. However, that that latency batch file piece was more notable during PVP, obviously, than in PVE. Because if, if people are moving around, if they're uh, interacting with you, right, if they're trying to interrupt you or run around you, that can be very challenging when there is a little bit of latency or, or batch uh, sort of batch system in place. So that did kind of frustrate me. Uh, a little bit with the battlegrounds. But I will say one of the things that they did is you can do battlegrounds very early in levels and you get a ton of experience for doing it. Uh, so so two things. So one, you can do battlegrounds very early, which is which was not common in a lot of MMOs. Uh, battlegrounds at a, a, a early level are fun. You don't feel like you only have like three buttons. You actually have a lot more things you can do to interact with other people. You get good experience for doing battlegrounds and as well, you get good rewards for doing it. So there's a lot of motivation and encouragement for PVPers, which historically within MMOs, PVPers were kind of looked at as the secondary, right? It was focus on PVE, make sure all those people are happy. By the way, we'll throw a bone to the PVPers every once in a while. Whereas this game it was like, hey, we're going to make it so you guys can start PVPing at an early level. You can get good rewards for doing it and you get good experience, which a lot of people wanted in MMO where you could level up through PVP as opposed to you know endlessly doing quests and public quests and grinding and all that stuff. Um, so what else um, sound effects are good the sound effects are there um, they're, they're definitely noticeable uh, the voice acting as I kind of talked about before is pretty fun the, the the voices that they have for some of the characters are very unique and I like a lot of the aesthetics that go with it you look at a character and based on their voice it matches very well which I really appreciate because there are some games that I've played, not really MMOs generally, but there are some games you will hear a voice and see a face and they do not go together. And they don't go together at all. And in this game, they did a great job of making sure that the voice actors uh, were spot on with with, uh, the characters that they portrayed. Uh, Music's there, but it's very subtle. It didn't really do a whole lot for me, which was whatever, it's an MMO. I don't expect great music. WoW obviously has incredible music and has some start, but that's because, you know, they had so much funding early on that just kind of set them above everybody else. Um, so this game, I think max level in this game is 50. I got to like level 15 or 16. Uh, I have taken a break a little bit just because, you know, I, I, play, I played a ton for the first couple weeks. I tried a couple different characters. I talked with a lot of people who are playing the game. One of the things that I've been trying to do is when I when I log on old MMOs, I just kind of ask people, you know, is this your first time playing this? Are you revisiting this? Or um, is this something you've been playing for a long time? Unsurprisingly, a lot of people that are playing on this server have been playing on it for a long time. Um, they are people who have leveled a bunch of different characters True. who have been playing since the the origination since the original game or since this sort of private server re-release. It is my understanding as well. Mythic and EA are okay uh, with them doing this project. Uh, I don't believe they've come out, they've come out openly and said like, "Hey, by all means, do your thing." Right. My understanding is they're not going after them the same way Blizzard did with the private servers for WoW which I think is really cool. I think the original developers, if they're not going to provide the product to the, to the public, uh, discouraging other people from doing it, I think is a little bit weird. So um, unsurprisingly, as I talked about, the people who are playing this are people who've been playing for a while. There's a small percentage of people um, who haven't played before, and then there was a small percentage of people who were just kind of revisiting this, the nostalgia that they had from the early days of playing this game, which was, that, that sounds about right for for something like this, because it definitely takes some setup time and there's some... Uh, specific things you have to do in order to get it working. So a little bit of a time investment. Um, gearing, so ge- they did a great job of gearing. So as I talked about, you get a lot of rewards for doing quests, for PvP, for doing public quests. The gear is exciting. It makes a big difference, and you feel it very quickly. They they have their own approach to how they do sort of a stat sheet, uh, but you can water it down very quickly to D&D turns in terms of, like, strength, agility, you know, intellect, spirit, whatever, uh, very quickly, which is nice because, it you know, if you can if you can digest that information, understand what the primary stats are for your character, then you understand what gearing or what gear you want. And then once you start ac- accumulating stuff, you can feel the effects very quickly, which is super exciting because one of the exciting parts about playing a game where you're building a character and investing time into it is seeing the growth, right? Experiencing your character get stronger um, and all the effects that go with it is always really cool to me because you know it's 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 exciting, right? You're you're spending time, you're investing this character, you're building sort of a relationship with it. So it's nice when your character's getting stronger over time, and then you're able to take on more and more things. So I did like the gearing system. I thought they did a good job of balancing it and making it exciting while not making it too complicated or too simple because um, some of those have definitely done that throughout the years where they basically watered it down to, you know, I'm, I'm in the melee zone. Well, I, I build only strength and I only build stamina and that's it. And everything else doesn't matter. So um, I definitely appreciated that. Beyond that, um, I think that's that's kind of everything. This, this is a, a very good game. I spent a lot of time. I didn't get a chance to do end game, uh, which I did a little bit of end game when I, when I played originally. And one of the big things that I don't think I'll be able to experience on private servers is sieges. So there are these big world event sieges that happen. And essentially every several hours or every few hours, an objective becomes available for taking. So if, if last time my faction won, we're defending. If your faction won last time, you're defending and I'm attacking. So just depending on who's currently owns it, the event happens, <clears throat> excuse me, and then there's a timer that says if they don't take it over, the defenders keep it. And if they do take over, well then obviously they become the defenders going forward. It is very fun. And when I used to do it, I played I played a black orc, which is a tank, big creature, big character. Um, and it's very exciting because you, you are physically very large and you can kind of get in people's way. So, as a Black Orc, what I would do is I would just like, I would put myself in a group of a bunch of healers, and I would just walk into people and try to distract them as much as possible. By the way, one of the things that you know, Warhammer does a lot with orcs is they say WAG a lot, like W-A-A-G-H Explanation point. Okay. So a lot of the abilities you have, like your orc is wearing like this hunk of metal. It doesn't even look like a full shield. Hunk of metal with like this black and white, almost racing stripe look pattern on it. And he just like takes his weapon and like slaps it against the shield and just yells at people. And it's so funny because you're basically like, charging into combat with, obviously I have healers with me, which is great, but uh, you're charging into combat just trying to distract people and make as much noise as possible because you're trying to distract them. You're trying to screw them up. You're trying to get into their back line uh, to cause them to sort of lose organization and, and kind of die in, in the simplest form. Uh, so the World PvP was very fun. The last time I played it, I didn't get a chance to experience much of it here because again, I think the population limit uh, makes it very challenging. So, Damn. Yeah, funny. So,
0: so it sounds like it was a pretty interesting MMO, all things all said and done.
2: Yeah, it it has. It, it, they did a, like like I said, their approach was let's do WoW, but let's do WoW better. And it, I definitely see their approach, and I I think they did a good job. It is unfortunate that they released it at the time they did, because I think if they would re-release this today, um, but obviously cleaning up the graphics and changing some of the other pieces of it, I think it would do very well. Um, I think something like this is there's a little bit of a void for games like this right now, as I've kind of talked about before with some of the other MMOs that are on the market today and coming out in the future. I think if this would have come out at the right time, either predating WoW or coming out even within the next few years here, like a little bit spruced up, I think it would do very well in the
0: marketplace. Okay. Yeah. There's Warhammer. What's it called? Warhammer what? Age of Reckoning. Age of Reckoning. Okay. Um, Just real quick. How well do you feel like it does stack up to uh, WoW?
2: I I think very well, Um, especially at that time. I'm trying to compare it to what WoW was at that time. Because obviously comparing it to what WoW is today isn't fair because of all the changes that have happened. I think at that time, they did a lot of things really well. I think they truly, in a very unlike Blizzard fashion, they took a lot of feedback from consumers and said, oh, this is what they're really looking for. Okay, let's take this approach. Let's make sure that that we make those changes. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention, and this is something that is very big in WoW is griefing people, right? And Not just WoW, but in MMOs in general of griefing people. High level comes to a low level zone, picks on the little kid. Uh, you know, little kid gets upset type type stuff. In this game, if you go, if you are beyond the the level, uh, if you're beyond the bracket of levels in a specific zone, so if the zone is one to nine and you're 10 or above, and you go into that zone and that's not part of your faction, i.e. you're going there to to bully people, you turn into a, a chicken and you <laughs> have five health and anybody can kill you until you leave that zone. So it basically, if you go to try and gank low level people, they will kill you. That's awesome. It
0: Amazing. is. Amazing
2: i definitely
0: appreciate that okay do you guys you you mentioned this at the beginning you said it was supposed to be like the wow killer have y'all ever like has anything ever been the something killer that that people were wanting like anytime there's been any good like in strategy games in 4x games there everybody's looking for the, the civ killer for instance, mm. and I know, you know, I've obviously heard plenty of people like hoping that this or that MMO is going to be the wow killer. Has anything yeah. ever actually succeeded in being a killer of some other great game that y'all can think of? Like, hell? I don't think I've ever seen anything. I, I think it's kind of like, it's kind of funny. Like, I, I understand people like wanting something even better than what, you know, than the best thing we already have is. But a lot of the time it's like, I feel like it's just very, very wishful thinking when people are saying, "Oh, this this or that's going to be the the this or that killer,"
2: I think part of it for me is, is I look at it as we were really wrong to look at everything in that uh, that sort of lens to say this should be the killer of this or that. What it should have been is this game's going to be in the market at the same time and have its own segment of the population that challenges the larger. Because what ended up happening is Blizzard learned very quickly that oh. All these games that are trying to compete with us, they're big for a minute and then they die off. So essentially, we can do whatever we want and people will continue to play our game. Whereas I think of what should have happened is people should have played both games, gone back and forth, because, you know, there are lulls in content with every MMO or every RTS. I think about everybody saying this is going to be the StarCraft killer. Right. So I I think it would have been better is is us as consumers if we would have supported these developers during those times. We would have had we would have prevented Blizzard or other other developers from making a monopoly on a specific market. And basically not doing what we want. Because now at this point, Blizzard is super powerful. And realistically, I mean, they can say that they're listed their communities, but I don't actually believe they are anymore. I think their primary focus, as I've talked about before, is primarily focused on making sure that their board members are happy and that they're generating as much revenue as possible sure. while still keeping people playing. playing. I don't mean happy, but they're, they're still playing.
0: All right. So let's move on to HG. What game have you been playing lately that you want to talk about?
1: Well, I think for me, the one that I'd like to kind of focus on is the one I'm playing currently and have not come anywhere close to finishing, but has kind of captivated me in a really strange way. And that's the seventh saga for the SNES. Oh, okay. And yeah, it's something that I had been kind of nervous to start playing because of its reputation. I've heard it's probably one of the most brutal... SNES RPGs and that it's so grind heavy and it's so difficult and it's so unfair at times. And it was actually a viewer request from the stream. So hmm. sometimes I'll take viewer requests and sometimes I'll regret that decision later. And this was kind of one of those situations <laughs> where I'm thinking, hmm, uh. I'm not really too sure that I want to go here, but I guess I'll try it out. So I'm actually really enjoying it. Quite frankly, I probably about 15 hours into it so far. I don't know how long the game is. It's a blind playthrough for me. Um, But if you're not familiar with it, it's a turn based RPG and it's one of those save the world stories. So you have seven characters, you can choose from seven different classes essentially, and you can choose somebody to be your main. And then throughout the story, I think you run into the other. Um, selected few of the seven and you can pair up with a partner and essentially you can kind of exploit their strengths for yourself and then you're trying to get like a good balanced pair right like someone that's maybe offensively strong someone that's good in the magic department Uh, me being me of course I went for the well-rounded in terms of skills person because I'm always nervous to get out in an RPG that's fated to be so difficult apparently uh, with no ability to heal myself with no ability to hit anything so i actually chose the dwarf character his name's Olven and he's an older dwarf who i think wants to collect the seven runes like that's kind of the the quest point is to get these seven runes to bring them back and to essentially harness the power of those and he wants to actually become strong again cuz he's i guess nearing the end of his life so he has this really interesting little side story um but What I'm finding really great about it is just how challenging it is and how much it's actually kept me on my toes. Because I played a few games recently where in RPG, you just kind of shuffle off from place to place and point A to point B. Seventh Saga is also very linear in the same kind of way. But there's something about how surprisingly awful (laughs) things can get and like how you can just go into a new place And just get totally bowled over, get your feet swept out right from underneath you and just wipe. And it's just so funny to me to be like an hour into a dungeon or something and then run into a mimic that one shots both of us and then we're just dead. And what's great about the seventh saga too is that you don't lose all your progress. Like it's not like something like Final Fantasy where you go back to your previous save and have to start from scratch. But instead you just lose money, but you maintain your items... And also any experience that you have. So it's like every time you have to take that walk of shame back through that place again, you're still working forward. So I don't know. I found it to be really captivating in that sense. Like it's just been something that surprised me around every corner in a way that I think a lot of people would be really frustrated with. (laughs) I'm going to say like... Yeah, like Seventh Saga, I don't think is an every person RPG, but and I'm and I might get to a place eventually where I'm just tearing out all my hair and saying, why the hell am I playing this game? But for the time being, it's feeling like a very fresh take on a genre that I really haven't had a lot of really excellent experience with over the last couple of games that I've played. So that's definitely been something that I've been enjoying so far. And surprisingly, there's a lot of fans out there for a game that's so apparently notorious. I've had a lot of folks coming in just to talk to me about it and talk about how it was one of their very favorite games, maybe one of their first RPGs. And it's been a really great time so far. I'm really liking it.
2: What? um, So when when you say difficult, if you were to grind a lot, does the game become a lot easier, like a lot of traditional RPGs in that regard? or?
1: It definitely does. I believe the grinding is supposed to be able to help, obviously, level up all of your stats. And it's like a typical RPG, except the only thing that makes this game extra hard is the rate at which you accumulate experience so apparently the north american version of the seventh saga you level up a lot more slowly the japanese version is apparently a lot more balanced so they've done something to affect that balance for experience and also money as well money is apparently a lot harder to come by in the north american version so it's difficult by design instead of, you know, just running into difficult enemies. Like, it just takes you a lot longer to get stronger, I suppose.
2: What uh, in, in terms of the combat, is there anything unique that they do with the turn-based term- combat system, or is it just kind of the, the staple?
1: It's kind of a bit generic. Like, to be honest, I've played quite a few RPGs by this point, and I would say overall it's generic. But what I'm really enjoying about it is kind of the presentation of it. So there's kind of like this camera pan when you're fighting you have your party of two and you're kind of looking at them from the third person perspective. So you see them in the, in the battle and then whatever you're fighting is kind of behind you, kind of like fantasy star in a way uh, where people appear at the foreground when you're going to fight them, except you're always there in this one anyway. So when you're targeting or you're moving or enemies are actually attacking you, the camera will pan around to each of them and they all have these really great animations depending on what they're doing if they're casting magic or if they're physically attacking and another thing that I've really really enjoyed about it is really just how unique and interesting a lot of the enemies are and how how different it is like you go play something like like I played Phantasy Star 4 a couple of months ago now and everything in that game is very bright you know your enemies are kind of like I don't want to say cartoonish because that's not quite what I'm going for there but there's something about the seventh saga that's just so so visceral, like every enemy is gross. You know, like I fought a <laughs> bunch of horrible spiders that get up on their hind legs and they're red and I fought some zombies that were just nasty looking and everything that you run into in these places, they just they look the part. They are menacing horrible monsters that you would anticipate running into versus like a happy wolf in a field somewhere, you know? Right. So yeah, it's been uh it's been interesting, but yeah, the combat in terms of like extra special things that you can do, it's not really too unique, I suppose in that way. It's uh it's a bit frustrating in the sense that, you know, you choose a character at the beginning and you're stuck with them. You have no idea what their leveling progression is going to be, what spells they're going to learn. You know, like there's no indication of how your class is actually going to grow compared to others. So that's kind of a limitation, I guess a little bit, but Otherwise, it's been just a blast and a half. It felt very pick up and play to me, which is something I really enjoy in an RPG. I don't have to spend a billion years learning a new game. You know, it's just kind of easy enough. Sure. If you know how to attack, you know how to cast magic. It's it's
0: good. So yeah, you don't have to like learn the systems.
1: Exactly, and that might sound like a little bit of a cop out. Don't get me wrong; like I do really love intense RPGs if I'm prepared for them, but. Yeah, I just, I finished playing right before Seven Saga, a bunch of really other intense, intensely action oriented games like Zelda 2, a lot of the 2D Castlevania games and like classic Castlevania stuff, as well as um, Mike Tyson's (laughs) Punch-Out. Oh, right. Yeah. Did
0: did you end up, you ended up beating that, didn't you? Oh, yes. I I did.
1: Yeah. It, It took me. I would say about 30 hours in total of playtime. And that's also like catching up with the chat and talking to them between rounds and obviously avoiding the inevitable getting knocked on my butt for the millionth time. Sure, yeah. But yeah, it was about over three weeks or so I went from never having played it at all to felling Mike Tyson. That's crazy. That's awesome. I think I said I killed him. He's dead or something like that when (laughs) when he finally (laughs) finishes the game, which obviously he's not. But But yeah, it was just, um, it was so different. I loved that game. It was so different from what I was expecting it to be. Oh, what were you expecting? I'm curious. I thought it was just a sports game, you know, and I see people, like people would play it on Twitch. Like I I knew a guy who wanted to get a full run without ever getting knocked down or just beat Mike Tyson. And I know a guy that speed runs it, you know, and like he can, he can get through the game and not very long at all.
0: Sure. At all. Probably blindfolded.
1: Probably, yeah. and you know, and it's one of those things where I just thought it was two guys punching each other. Like it's part of the reason why I don't play a lot of sports games. They don't really interest me. Mm-hmm. but this was really just a puzzle game,
0: yeah, yeah really, it's, yeah, it's really that's a very good way to describe it. It's really not a sports game, even though obviously it is based on a sport
1: yeah well it was interesting because like i didn't play a ton of sports throughout my life on a team or anything like that but i did play volleyball for a while in, in high school and i remember like getting to games and going to tournaments and having that that rush of adrenaline before getting into a game and like that competitiveness mm-hmm. and all of that sort of thing i haven't felt that playing a video game ever until mike tyson's punch out
0: <laughs> wow. that is great
1: yeah. So I'm like sitting there biting my nails. I have an audience at this time, right? Like on Twitch, my channel kind of has exploded in viewership lately. Like I just was recently granted partnership on Twitch as well. So Oh, like, shit. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah. So my streams are just like enormous. I have probably, I think the average viewership for those streams was over 100 people that are just sitting there rooting for you, you know, and it was just... <laughs> It was just this intense thing. I'm thinking, wow, I really need to do this for them. Like it's not even about me anymore. It's about everybody that's here and (laughs) getting this W. This, This
2: one's
0: for my fans.
1: Yeah, it was an intense thing, man. I was honestly just shocked at how much fun it was. And I would like wake up in the morning, like on a day I wasn't even gonna stream, thinking about it and Thinking in my head, oh, what am I going to do? And I got to learn these fights and I got to be good and make it work out for everybody. And it was it was so funny because I'm not usually like I'm competitive by nature, but not outwardly. And this game brought something out in me, like I say, that I haven't experienced in probably about a decade and a half. So that's was awesome. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. And I would say um, the other big thing that I played lately that was kind of remarkable for me was Zelda 2 because that's a game that I played as a kid. I got through Death Mountain using a, a guide. I was a dirty cheater about it.
0: And oh, you had to <laughs> use guides for games it. back. I mean, you had to use guides for like a lot of those games back then.
1: Oh, for sure. But eventually getting to the end of that game was just like, I feel like it was a milestone, a personal milestone for me because I'd seen so many other people kind of make their way through it and just just wreck the game, man. And I'm sitting there thinking, I can never fight these guys. Like, look at the the combat mechanics that you have to know you have to be fast in terms of moving that shield up and down and, and all of these things. And somehow I managed to do it. It was, it was unreal. I got some good help from a, a good friend who speedruns the game. He actually, it was so funny. I don't know if you guys know the exploit when you're outside of the, um, the dungeons where you can sometimes stab the statue that's there. And on occasion it'll drop a red potion, but occasionally a knight will come out and they're like the hard red colored knights, And, um, I was trying to do the trick where you can pick up the bottle of magic and then also cast life so that it fills your magic bar and also fills your life at the same time. Like there's an <laughs> order, and and this guy JSR, he's an awesome awesome speedrunner. He plays classic Zelda, comes into my stream, huge rate of people. He brought about 150 people who have just been watching somebody that plays Zelda two like it's on the back of their eyelids, and I'm sitting there stabbing this potion over and over again, failing, miserably. I was, I started sweating. I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) this is embarrassing. (laughs) What am I going to do? Yeah. There's something about getting rated at a moment like that, where you're just, (laughs) uh, it's like, you want, you want people to come in and you want to meet new people, but not in a moment of humility like that. (laughs) It was, it was an interesting timeframe for sure. But yeah, that was great. I was happy to finally make it through that. And to be able to put that on my list of things that I've finally beaten, because I love Zelda one, obviously, like the screen name for me, kind of speaks volumes toward my love for Zelda one. <laughs> right, like Zelda right. Two. Yeah, Zelda yeah. Hungry, kinda... Hungry
0: Guria is a reference to uh, a character in, in one of the caves, right? In, <laughs> yeah. In then, Zelda, for, for those of you listening.
1: Exactly. And yeah, Zelda two is just that thorn in my side my whole life that I just can finally pull out of my side and, and walk happily along through life knowing I finally made it through. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Yeah. Actually, one thing real quick before I talk about my game, I meant to ask you this earlier. Um, what are like? It's hard to kind of get an idea because you do play such a wide variety of stuff. But like, what are your favorite genres? Like, it seems like maybe RPG. Like, maybe you do kind of lean toward RPGs a little bit more than other things. But like, what do you personally like the most? And like, what like what are a couple of your favorite games, whether they're in that genre or not?
1: Well, very favorite genre for me is our RPGs. I think Um, there are definitely some benefits to turn-based and there's benefits to action RPGs. Um, But that's something I came to a bit later in life. Like never played a turn-based RPG for me until I was about 16. And my first one was Final Fantasy X and then started buying Final Fantasy backwards from there. Uh, I bought nine and then eight and seven. I didn't I still haven't played seven. Uh, I've played six recently. I've kind of dabbled in that series quite a lot. Um, But probably one of my very favorite games from the RPG slash action adventure genre, I'll tell you about two. One of them is Faxanadu or Faxanadu, depending on who you are. Uh, for NES. And that's a game that I grew up with. And for those of you that might not know about it, it's a side-scrolling action game with RPG elements. And essentially, you're climbing up a giant tree that's been poisoned and trying to restore things back to their natural state. So I love that game. It has a wonderful soundtrack, great ambience. There's just something about it. like It's a little bit nostalgic for me as well. But interestingly, I've managed to make some really great friends through that game which is interesting uh just talking with people about that particular one has made me some of my best internet friends (laughs) in the entire history of time um i'll also mention golden axe warrior for the Sega master system which is a phenomenal adventure it's kind of like a people would call it a zelda clone it it does what zelda does but also a lot of other things too it's kind of like you still have a guy who's walking around from a top-down perspective. You're still killing enemies, gathering money. Uh, you can get health restoratives, but it's meat. And I think it's just meat in that game. Maybe something else. I, I can't quite recall. For but um, yeah, some kind of health drop anyway. Gotcha. But um, there's also magic systems. And there are a lot of um, townspeople to talk to. A lot of NPC stuff as well. Uh, so it's just awesome. I came to that game kind of through i think i saw a bit about it in a video and then said to myself i need this game and of course it's one of the (laughs) most expensive ones for the master system of course but bought it played it loved it it's fantastic if you like zelda one you'll definitely love that game um that's awesome i think um One thing I've been noticing about myself as I've been developing as a gamer and experiencing new things over the last little while is that I really like games where you have to uncover everything. Like you have to check every nook and cranny and really really make sure that you explore. Yeah. So it was funny because another game I was terrified of was Legacy of the Wizard. I don't know if you folks have played that before. No. Oh, my gosh. So, okay, Great game, first of all. And it's related to Faxanity. It's part of the Dragon Slayer series. But essentially you play as a family and you have to crawl through this massive dungeon and each family member can use different items. So some some items will help you move blocks around. Some of them will help you break blocks. Uh, the mom character can fly. She gets a cape eventually. And the long story short is I thought I was going to hate it. I thought to myself, oh, this is going to be like a really, really long-winded, horrible time. I'm going to die a billion times, which I did. But <laughs> it turned out to be probably again one of my favorite games just that i've recently experienced within the last couple of months so so yeah i would say probably those three kind of have risen to the top of what i would consider to be my favorites
0: i just pulled this up to see to take a look at it and i remember it now from from seeing it on your channel uh (laughs) and i remember like the little screen at the beginning where you pick like which family member you're gonna pick and there's a little dog sleeping there
1: yeah. And the dog is actually secretly a monster um, because, <laughs> really? his name, yeah, like the manual even says it's like the family dog who is not actually a dog or something like that. And his name's Poachy. Pochi. And it's interesting because Pochi, <laughs> when you bring him down into the dungeon, he's invincible to monsters because he's one of them. So it's a really interesting <laughs> way to introduce you to the actual layout of the place and take you into it and let you learn a little bit about what to expect. So I thought that that was really cool. But obviously, like, you need to play as all the characters at some point to be able to finish the game, Um, which is also cool because you really do need to learn when to use each character. And it's just like it's like Zelda one in a sense where you're walking around burning bushes, bombing walls, eventually you find the things you need. Right. And Legacy of the Wizard is just like a side scrolling Zelda game, which is great.
2: I, I know I, I think Robert we've talked before I, I enjoy those elements to an extent I think Robert I could be correct me wrong I think you're not a big, big fan of that style where you're just kind of testing things until you figure it out
0: yeah I don't have to I, I don't really like having to make sure that I talk to every single NPC you know for you know for for example in order to progress so I you know you miss something that doesn't let you get on with the story yeah I'm not really into into having to do that is, yeah, that, that, think- is that what you're asking to
1: extent, yeah, yeah. I was gonna just comment, and that's that's a fair thing. It's not the kind of gameplay that everybody appreciates, but I don't know what it is about it. Just one of those things.
3: Me.
1: Yeah, like I never really like I loved Zelda One growing up, but to find other games that are like that but different, like it's a different story, a different world, a different set of characters. I I don't know. I just gravitate toward mundane tasks, I guess. <laughs> of like knocking into every block and hoping to find something behind it
2: have you played animal crossing yet
1: (laughs) yeah actually that's the only modern game that i have regularly been picking up not as much lately but the new animal crossing was just kind of like this nice mindless thing that i could do
3: yeah
1: and i just i loved it i played a little bit of the gamecube game and i didn't like it quite as much because my neighbors were kind of mean to me um (laughs) if i would be away for a day or something they'd be a little bit too passive aggressive for my taste but i think i have better neighbors in new horizons
2: so do, do yourself a favor bring pull up the, the one from gamecube load your game and then just reset it while you're standing out front of your house and then reload the game there's a there's a gentleman who will come and talk to you for turning off the game without saving and he is not a big fan of it
1: is that mr Rossetti?
2: yes it is
1: Oh my god, yeah. I, so I've seen him in with memes and stuff. Like, not when I played the GameCube game, because I'm not like I'm not a save scummer, if you want to put it that way. Like, I won't try to undo my bad deeds in games. I'll just take it for what it is. You know, if I if I die in an RPG, sure. I don't reset usually, unless the manual tells me to, which has happened a few times, like Final Fantasy Legend, for example. But but yeah, I I definitely know of that guy, but I've never met him personally.
2: It, his dialogue <laughs> is really funny, and then it gets to a point where. If you do it enough, he goes. How do you like it? And then he resets the game.
3: <laughs> oh my god!
2: <laughs> it's it's, it's like he, he does something really screwed up. It, it just, it just, it just escalates and escalates and escalates.
1: Oh my god, that's so funny! It's like when, when games break the fourth wall like that. Yeah, kind of. You know, it's like reset. Will you? I'll show you. And then the next thing you know, your game cube's on fire or something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the first, I think, the first time I encountered something like that was. I was, I don't know, probably 13 or 14, and we were playing You Don't Know Jack on the computer. And if you're not familiar with it, it's like a game show, basically. Like, you get there with a couple friends, and they ask you button, they ask you questions, and you, like, chime in with your button to answer it and all this. And so and there was one question where, instead of just picking a multiple-choice answer, you had to type in the answer. And we just, being, you know, uh, 13, oh, 14 years old, we were just typing in, like, cuss words and stuff. And, uh i forgot like the guy like the like the host of the games like basically told us to stop and we just kept on doing it and then he said like oh okay i see so you're just going to turn this into like i don't know blah 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 he's already yelling at us and then it just cuts the game off and exits the game (laughs) what
3: (laughs) yeah that's amazing
0: wow i guess they they actually didn't want people doing that apparently
2: (laughs) hg you mentioned you mentioned final fantasy 10 what tell me your thoughts did you play the second one as well
1: I didn't play Ten Two. I played Final Fantasy Ten when I was in my late teens, and I put over perfect home. timing.
2: That is yeah. the perfect time to play that game.
1: It was honestly what lit my love for RPGs in my heart.
2: Wow!
1: Yeah, and I can it, see that. Yeah. And like people have come along and said, oh, Final Fantasy, Ted, the voice acting's so bad and the characters are so terrible and blah, blah, blah. But I loved it. There was something so magical. I think I remember when I first heard it, put it in the console and listened to to Zanarkin, The intro? Yeah. I, Because I played piano kind of casually, like by ear my whole life. And I just felt such a wave of emotion come over me. Like, keep in mind, before my PS2, I had an NES, a Sega Genesis, and a Game Boy. So I hadn't played anything remotely modern whatsoever. Missed everything in between. This was the first game I played that was a quote-unquote modern game at the time. And it just blew my socks off. I sat there and watched them by that fire for probably about 20 minutes. <laughs> and was I felt moved by that. And then the story and how it all unfolded. And I ugly cried at the end because it was, like, so sad. <laughs> it was... It, the way it all culminates right and i just thought it was so neat to just dive into something that was so broad and big you know it was such a big game i'd never played something quite that big before so yeah mm-hmm. it was i stumbled in there and i couldn't get out of it and a hundred and some hours later i wanted to play it some more and then that's why i started buying all the other games so played final fantasy 9 next and yeah it was great
2: What's interesting too is, is, you mentioned, you know that was the that was the first modern game you played during that time. What's crazy is I played games going into that. You know, PlayStation One games, the Nintendo sixty four games. That game was still just a, a just a magical gem at that time when it came out because it was one of the first games that came out for the PS two. It had you know obviously very good voice acting for the time and the music. To your point, was so good that even coming from playing you know all the Final Fantasy games that were for, that were for the PS one. And all the games for the N64, it just didn't matter. Like, that game really took things to the next level. And I completely agree with you. I still listen to that soundtrack occasionally. That soundtrack, in my opinion, is just such a strong uh, soundtrack.
1: Agreed. And, you know, it takes me a billion years to learn any piano piece. Because I don't read music at all. Like, I really, really struggle with it. I can't put it together unless I write all my notes out. And then I have to learn the hands separately and then put them together. And it took me probably... About six months, but I finally learned to Zanarkand. And I would play that piece. I would just sit at my piano. Well, my keyboard. It's like a piano keyboard. Electric piano. That's what I wanted to say. (laughs) And I would just sit there and I would just play it and play it and play it. And sometimes I'd have a little cry because it's such a moving. (laughs)
0: It's
1: just so good. It was totally worth all the time that I put in. And I can still sit down and bang out probably the first part of it anyway. Uh, I don't play too often these days, but that's definitely something that is really, really resonant in my soul, that piece in that game and everything that it is. And I don't want to replay it because I don't want to kind of dissolve what has been established in me from that time in my life either. So I didn't touch 10 2. It didn't interest me as much. I didn't like the side character. I call them the side characters. Like you know, the great. Yeah. I didn't like the other people so much. I didn't, I don't enjoy like fashion. (laughs) so i don't know the clothing and like the concerts and stuff it's like i don't know it was too much of a push out of where i think final fantasy X left off at least where i currently was in that point in my life so i didn't continue on i've never played anything past well i played 12 actually i didn't finish 12 but i played a bit of 12 um but mostly 10 was as far as i'd gone for a very very long time in that series
2: I think that's the common opinion, too, with Final ten excuse me, with the second one, because the first one ended on such a serious and emotional note, and then ten two was like this comic, almost a comic relief to an extent, because the game starts and they try to introduce you to this new arc, and it just doesn't make any sense, and it, it sort of um, retcons some of the stuff that happens in ten, which was immediately like just kind of leaves you, it starts off on the wrong foot, and then it just kind of progressively gets worse, so you're not missing anything. Um, I, I do agree with you. You know, I I play Final Fantasy X probably every two years since it originally came out. It is still a very strong game, but yeah, to your point, it is not nearly as strong as it was mm. um, at that time.
0: Uh th- it's interesting that 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 was your first kind of modern game. It was it was my first um, Final Fantasy game actually. That I didn't go 10 was Yeah, and one of my first RPGs, I had played Swicket in 3. And like that was about it, RPG wise. I really just didn't play RPGs growing up. And uh, I remember when Final Fantasy X came out. It, I don't even know why, but I was just like, "That looks cool. I'm gonna give it a shot." And I, and I loved it. And I still feel like no other Final Fantasy game. Like maybe there are some that are that are better overall, but like none of them feel quite the same. Like something about the feel of of just like the of the combat and all that, like they kind of really nailed just making it feel good to play, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah, because that's when they started to introduce a little bit of the more real-time combat they tried to do. I forget what they, the active turn base, ATV, uh, the active turn-based. That's when they really turned up the notch with it. On the spot, who was your favorite character for Final Fantasy X, both of you?
0: I think mine's Lulu. Interesting. It's been a really long time since I played, though, and I don't remember much about the story, but I, I thought she was really cool. because She's super powerful and kind of like, don't take any shit from anybody type person. And she wasn't like overly like Yuna was kind of just uh, to me, the way I remember her is sort of like melodramatic kind of Riku was kind of like stereotypical RPG girl. But Lulu was like cool.
1: yeah i liked i liked lulu as well but i really liked orin and when he came in he quickly became my favorite i think like i've always kind of tended toward melee people more so than casters in games at least from my Uh experience my very narrow experience with rpgs by this point but i really liked i don't know if you say his name titus or titus i called i've always called him titus but i actually really liked where his his um what was it the sphere grid like how you could develop his character oh, yeah. the end and like how strong he got i know he's a bit of a wiener but at the same <laughs> time like the practical aspects of him for battles and stuff i really enjoyed him and orin toward the end
0: i did Can like orin's Arn. probably my second pick he, he, he kind of for me is like the melee version of lulu <laughs> sort of like super <laughs> cool doesn't have to like get like he doesn't have to get caught up in drama and stuff he's just uh like super powerful guy and, that, and i feel kind of the same way again i may be misremembering maybe lulu does have things that kind of. No, you're, you're pretty that's pretty bottom right bottom yeah, yeah. I, I feel like they were they were pretty similar uh characters
2: i, I always liked her ultimate too her limit break was really fun because we had to rotate the, the analog what sticks which was, was kind of a fun challenge. I do want to say Orin as a character for me. It, I think it was it was very exciting because they, the game did a good job of really making you, I hate to use this phrase because this is so commonly used in the minigame industry, but you really truly felt like you were Titus at the beginning from his perspective. And it was very exciting for Orin to show up, especially given sort of the relationship you understand over time that Orin had with his father and Yuna's father. And it was kind of like this, it, it was sort of like this... Um, ability to grieve for Yuna and Titus through Orin through his memories and experiences. So Orin was always obviously a very, very popular character.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of good character development in that game, and I think that's really what drew me in. Like, when I played it as a kid, I just had no freaking idea what the heck was going on, because there's so many different threads in that game, and like, I still don't feel like I totally understand the plot of that game. Like, I can read the Wikipedia page from top to bottom, and still I'm still scratching my head. But I think what really did it for me with that game too was just the camaraderie between the characters mm. and like how they grow together how they are just trudging toward essentially like the saddest most doom filled thing that yeah. you can possibly be trudging toward and like it's just such a good lesson for life and like at that point in my life too I was dealing with a lot of like personal grief like I had just lost my mom the year prior to that and like mm. it just that game for me just culminated on so many personal points as well I don't know, it, it just really reflected a lot of what I was doing in my life at that time. Yeah. And watching that unfold in characters in different ways, mind you, of course, but seeing those types of feelings expressed in them was really helpful for my own grieving process as well.
2: No, I can see that. I, I do want to say the character that drove me nuts that I really don't like and didn't like in the second one as well was Waka. I thought Waka was just this stereotypical, <laughs> really simple, just... Oh, he's such an annoying character. He was so predictable. That's what I really didn't like about him. Like when, when there was when when an event happened, you could you could pause the game and go, "Waka's going to react one of two ways," and then you run through it. and You're like, "Yep, that was spot on."
0: <laughs> what, yeah. What's your? Did you say your favorite character, Jay? Who's yours?
2: Uh, it's tough. I mean, Aaron and Titus are obviously fantastic characters. I always, I mean, their their relationship is so good. I do really like Kamari though as well. I love his oh, relationship really? with. Is it his, I don't know if it's his brothers. That he has, his brothers who broke his horn, like the the relationship that he has with his family, I think is very interesting. It's unfortunate we don't get to see a lot of it, but I feel like the amount we do get is very interesting. I I always wanted to learn more about Kamara as a
0: character. Yeah, the way I remember it, and again, I don't remember much, but I I remember him being kind of the least developed out of the characters, like Mm
2: -hmm.
0: as far as getting into his backstory and all that kind of stuff. Is that right?
2: I think so, probably because Riku is one of the other ones. But yeah. then you know, between Sid, you know, Sid being, I think Yuna's uncle, if I'm not mistaken, um, you know, you get that kind of connection with with uh, with Riku. I think you're spot on with that. I think probably either Waka or or Kamari probably would be the most undeveloped. I mean, obviously you get Waka with his brother and the similarities with Titus and stuff. But
1: yeah, I think I didn't like Waka very much just because he was like the blitzball guy. And I hated Blitzball, oh, yeah. and so by <laughs> extension, also didn't like Waka.
0: <laughs> Nobody likes. Has, does anybody like Blitzball? I, I wish it was, it was, was real.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I think I enjoyed it more toward the end. Like, to, and I forget what why Blitzball was even important. Like, I know why. Like, in terms of the game, I know it's just the game that they played, but there was a, something important tied to Blitzball in the game, and it's. entirely lost on me now.
0: I think it's one of
2: those things, you know, people kind of talk about this year going through COVID, getting sports back online is really critical for people because it it creates a distraction. I think the idea of Blitzball, and I could be reading into this too much, but if Final Fantasy X was that distraction, right? Because everybody knows me, spoilers, spoilers for Final Fantasy X if people don't know, every 10 years, I think it's every 10 years we go through this cycle where either the end of the world happens or they sacrifice a certain number of people after they go on this very lengthy pilgrimage. And after they go through the cycle, you know, they put up these statues commemorating the people who sacrificed themselves and then everybody goes on with their lives. And I think Blitzfall is one of those things that even when those issues spike up, it creates a distraction for people to try and escape and, you know, all that that goes with it. I think End of spoilers. That's a
1: good read. Yeah, that's a definitely a good read on it for sure.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll give you, I'll I'll fall for that. You're me want to play it again. And I did want to say as well, HG, um, the
2: story, I have played the game, like I said, a bunch of different times. If you play the game a bunch of times and you talk to everybody in game and you go online and read the Wikipedias, you will still not fully understand that damn story. It is, <laughs> there is a level of depth to that story. It, like this, this, the problem is... It's the, like Metal Gear Solid. So like much, you
0: can be a, the biggest fan and you don't have to understand the story and you probably never will, even if you think you do.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of history that predates the beginning of Final Fantasy X that helps to tie everything together because there are definitely certain elements that are very convoluted and lose me even after playing it as many times as I have. But yeah, it's it's there, but it's not fully there.
1: I'm definitely glad it's not just me because I've spent a lot of my adult life just thinking, why can't I just understand this? Like, it's not that bad, but talking to you folks, it it makes me feel a lot better because... Obviously, I'm not alone in that.
2: No, I'm there are threads and threads and threads. And I will tell you where it's because they're doing they're re, they're doing another installment of Final Fantasy X uh, that is in progress right now. There is actually a demo that is available. It's a 30-minute 30, 30 video. Um, and you play from the perspective of Auron's daughter. And you play, I forget who the other character is. You play as Auron's daughter alongside, I think, a new, uh, a new character arc. And the story that goes around it is absolutely obscene and terrible. One of the key pieces of it is that Titus gets brought back to life. By the way, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Titus gets brought back to life only to then die via a blitz ball that has a grenade in it that hits him in the back of the head and blows his head up.
0: Are you freaking joking? Uh, here, I'll you p- I'm going to show you a
2: picture right uh, now. Just the only reason
0: it. I know that is because you showed me the video or like the meme or whatever of it.
1: Can I just say, my eyes rolled harder than I think they've ever <laughs> rolled. It's awful. Why do they do this? I,
0: I wonder. Just, like, based on all the things I've heard about this game, like, I wonder if whoever was like, in like, the director of the game just purposefully was trying to see how ridiculous they could make it, as opposed, you know, in contrast to the to the first one to ten.
1: Good lord, though, like a grenade ball to the back of the head to end the life of one of the most tragic characters in video games like okay
2: click the link i I just i just put in chat that's all you need to see the tale as old as time
1: oh are you (laughs) joy that's awful that's not actually part of the game i hope
2: it, apparently it is apparently it's part of the new one i, I don't know what so the, their idea was the whole intention was is that titus is not meant to be alive so no matter what he has to die and then it's like this very depressing story around yuna trying to accept the fact that no matter what titus can't come back blah blah blah, blah. That, that's that's my understanding of where the story was
0: going but yeah go so, there is so a lot you, of that sorry go ahead i was just gonna
1: say so you know like that heartfelt speech that she makes at the end spoilers yeah and, like, this is what they bring him back as. Like,
2: yep. Kind of on. a meme, right?
1: Jeez. I'm sorry. I'm just very irked by <laughs> that.
2: <laughs> if, if you know what's funny, you'd be even more irked if I told you the premise of the second one, but <laughs> save it for another time.
0: Mm. That is one thing that I don't like too much about. It seems like it seems fairly common throughout a lot of the Final Fantasy games is that there's this idea of fate. Where this or that has to happen or can't happen, and that's fine alone. But the way they do it, it's like they only use it certain times. You know, it's like, oh well, your party can die and you can have a game over, but and that's okay. But on certain parts of the story, we have to let fate intervene because I don't know. I don't know why really. Like they see, really seem to cherry pick when they allow things like that to happen to force you know things to be the way that they're supposed to be.
2: Yeah, what's funny too is is against spoilers for Final Fantasy X. That whole game is about going against fate, right? So that game is basically, as I talked about, there, we go through these cycles where every ten years somebody has to be sacrificed. Well, in Final Fantasy X, again, spoilers, spoilers. The sacrifice, the sacrificial lamb is Yuna, and when Titus finds this out, it's obviously that. That to me, by the way, is the most memorable moment of that game. Is when Titus finds out of what it, what's actually been happening. Uh, that scene still gets me every time, but. Uh, yeah, so that game is, is the whole purpose is Titus comes in and basically says, no, let's, let's figure something else out. And everybody else is saying, no, this is what has to happen. And what's interesting, you kind of mentioned HD, you're going through some personal stuff. For me, I was going through um, sort of an anti-religion, uh, religiosity kind of point in my life. And that game for me aligned very well with that because obviously the message was, you know, kind of go against the church, go against what, what has been historically accepted.
1: Yeah, it's a very meaningful game, like just mm-hmm. in terms of the themes and the characters and the people. And it's it's deep. It's deep on a lot of levels. And I think maybe that's what the broad appeal it is for it is anybody that approaches that game can walk in there and relate to somebody or something in that game for yeah. sure. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: All right. Uh, end of spoilers again. And <laughs> end of spoilers, at least for now. Okay. So, uh, HG, you said that you started with Final Fantasy X and and kind of worked backwards from there. Uh, So, Final Fantasy X was the first Final Fantasy game I played. And I did play some after that. I've talked about them on the podcast before. I I won't go through all, but I've played like a smattering of the Final Fantasies. And, uh, Jay, what was it? Was it two years ago that I decided, or like maybe a little less than that, that I decided to start from the beginning and play through every... Mainline Final Fantasy game was that about two years ago? Was that
2: two years ago? It feels like it was like eight months ago. Jeez. It
0: might have been like a year and a half, but I don't know. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not two years ago. Anyway, so you you remember which number we're on now, Jay? This time, three. It, it was, exactly. Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. It was time for number three. Uh, so Final Fantasy one, I, I was a big fan of. Or I was a fan of. It, it definitely has its issues, but I really enjoyed it. Final Fantasy Two was terrible, and I hated it. And uh, but I decided I, I said I'm going to do this, so I'm going to do it. So I'm pushing on anyways. I just I was just telling uh, HG right before we uh, came back from our break that I actually just just finished this literally right before we started recording tonight. And uh, I and it, and it's on the DS. I'm playing the DS version of Final Fantasy III, and I'm still like going through. I haven't even finished letting the uh, the final like scene play out in the very end after you beat the final boss. It's still up on my uh, 3DS right now. I think I, I think I'm probably close to being through with the last little few lines of dialogue. But anyway, I played Final Fantasy III. Obviously, as I said, I played the DS version, so this was a remake. Final Fantasy III came out for Famicom in 1990 and it never had a an NES release it never had any sort of uh, English release until I couldn't I I had a little trouble finding an exact date for the DS version but it was remade for the DS sometime around uh, 2004 2005 and so that was the that's, that's the version that I've been playing the remake is the same game, but just with the graphics entirely overhauled. It uses, it's, it uses 3d, it has 3d graphics. So it looks kind of like maybe a PS one, probably I'd, I'd compare it to like a PS one game. Is kind of what it looks like. Uh, but, but aside from that, it is, I'm sure there are maybe a few bug fixes and maybe a few like minor things that they tweaked, but overall it is like pretty much the exact same game to my understanding as the original final fantasy three was for Famicom. Uh, and most of our listeners, I think, know this, but this is not the same. For anybody who doesn't know, this is not the same game that was labeled Final Fantasy Three on Super Nintendo. That game was actually Final Fantasy VI, and it was labeled that in Super Nintendo in the U- on Super Nintendo in the US because that was the third Final Fantasy that we got in the US. So. This is the real Final Fantasy III, the one that originally came out in 1990 on the Famicom. And again, this is the DS version that came out in, the 2004, in 2004, 2005, somewhere around there. Um, so, for Final Fantasy... When, when In Final Fantasy II, they did a number of things that were pretty different from Final Fantasy I. Um, they, so, Final Fantasy I uses kind of like a spell slot systems, like similar to D&D, where... You don't have mana points. You have uh, just a certain number of times that you can cast spells of any given level. So like if you have a black mage, for instance, and he's leveled up and so you can use spells maybe up to level three, then he might be able to cast one level three spell and maybe, you know, three level two spells and seven level one spells. And that's it. And then and you don't have ether uh, vials either. That's all he can cast until you go to an inn and rest. And one of the things they changed in Final Fantasy II was they actually moved to the mana point system, where it's just like we know, you know, most RPGs nowadays, and you can get uh, ether vials and refill, you know, while you're out on a run and that kind of stuff. Um, another thing they they did differently in Final Fantasy II was they added quite a bit of story. You know, the, obviously there was a story in Final Fantasy One; it was very minimal. It was just an excuse to have to go on an adventure they try uh adding more of that in final fantasy 2 and another thing they did in final fantasy 2 was they entirely trashed the class system there are no classes in final fantasy 2 you just your characters level up using whatever you use them for so if you use swords for one guy then he gradually gets better at swords if you cast a lot of spells with somebody they gradually get bast- uh, better at casting spells and so on and so forth so final fantasy three feels like and final fantasy two sucked it was fucking terrible final fantasy three feels like they tried to it feels like they realized okay this didn't work out let's try let's backtrack a little bit and try to maybe set a better proper course for this let's undo some of what we did you know still make some changes but but maybe not the maybe not quite so far as we went with these. Let's backtrack a little bit, see if we can do a little bit better. So, Final Fantasy 3 goes back to the spell slot system. So, your casters, they have a certain number of spells they can cast at any level. There's no refilling them in, until you go to an inn and rest, and there's no mana point system or anything like that. Um, there is story, but it's much much more like uh, Final Fantasy 1, where it's like very inconsequential it's just a, a string of oh we gotta now we gotta go to this cave to get this magic stone so we can go to this other cave and get another magic stone and, and all this kind of stuff um, and uh, and they, they they did go back to a class system although in this one it's they call it a job system but it's really just changeable classes so you, you guys correct me if if you feel differently, but when I, when I hear job system, I think of, like, Final Fantasy Tactics, where you have... Uh, where job is kind of like a secondary class, almost. Um, is that kind of what you guys think of job system as? That's or where my kind? head would go, yeah. Okay. So, that yeah, that's what I think of. In this game, it really just means class, but you can change classes basically anytime you want. There is... Um, you do get a penalty for changing. I, I think it's like when you change classes, then I forgot exactly what it is, but your spell slots don't refill and you have to wait a certain number of t- like turn, like of, of battles for them to, for them to fill up or something like that. I don't remember. I, I, I couldn't actually tell exactly what was going on if I changed, but if you change classes and then if you change jobs, excuse me, and then rest, then everything's good to, good to go. So you do have a lot of flexibility and there are a lot of, Of classes that you unlock by the end of the game. You unlock classes. um, Oh, yeah, another thing that was different about typical job systems is usually, I also think of job systems as you get good at, you know, you level up a certain, you know, quote unquote job enough, and that kind of branches off and lets you unlock further jobs. This one isn't quite like that. This is every time you get to a certain part of the game, like maybe you beat a boss or something. You unlock certain jobs from from like doing that part of the story. And they're not at all related to what your characters have been using. It's purely like, oh, I beat this boss, now I can get this or that job. Um another thing Final Fantasy 2 did that I forgot to mention was they had like the rotating fourth character where you have so it's four part four-person party. Three of your characters are the same all the time. But then the fourth character like keeps switching in and out throughout the game. And that's one that you have a little bit. I less. really don't
2: like that.
0: Yeah, I I don't, I don't. I didn't really like it either. It's you obviously have less flexibility with them because you're using them for. You less, don't care. Yeah, you right? don't care. You're using them for a less amount of time, and so they come kind of pre-made in some some sort of class typically. And uh, and another thing that sucks about them is usually they'd be wearing good gear cuz obviously you want your guys to have good gear but then when they leave the party they take the gear with them and you can just never Ew. get that back unless you know unless you're following your guide or something which would typically say hey this person's about to leave your party make sure you like unequip everything from them which just yep. is it just feels weird um, this does away with that entirely so you got your four guys they're uh, with you f- you know f- throughout the whole game and you can basically it's it's, it's you know you do pick their jobs and classes, but you're very flexible as far as getting to change out those jobs throughout the game. So that's fine. Um, the uh, thing about Final Fantasy 3 is they, they backtracked, as I said, tried to kind of set a better course for this one, and it still didn't work out. The game is absolutely terrible um and it's terrible in a different way from Final Fantasy 2 this one is what is terrible in a way that really made me angry wow. about how bad it feels uh, it feels like the people that made this game hate the people who are gonna be playing this game <laughs> wow it is about well okay my final time on this was between 35 and 40 hours (laughs) so it's fucking long for an nes game first off but so much of the game is just tedious even more so than early rpgs of this time even more so than final fantasy 1 probably roughly about the same as final fantasy 2 just super boring battles where you're going to be using the same attacks from every single character every single round but it just goes on longer. I think Final Fantasy 1 for me got away with that because I think it got away with it for a couple reasons. One, yeah, the game was long. It was it's about 20 hours, but but it's but that's a lot different from 35 to 40 hours. And I do think that I would have been a little bit more forgiving maybe if it was if I was playing the original Famicom version because I just like 8-bit sprites better than I like PS1 era, you know, 3D graphics, um, or you know, in this case, DS era 3D graphics. I really just enjoy looking at the art that those people made using such limitations. I just really, really like it. So I think that's part of that's not an excuse for this game or for for Final Fantasy One, but I do think that's why I like Final Fantasy One. A lot of it was just like, oh, this this game really looks cool. I just really enjoy the way this looks. So this didn't have it for me. But worse than that is, again, it takes so long to finish, but also it is so grindy. I had never really, I've heard of games where you have to really grind to, you know, to, to, to complete them. I've never really experienced that until now. And I cannot imagine a game being more egregiously bad in that uh, department than this game I so there were several times in the middle of the game where I had to grind for 30 minutes to an hour to be able to get to be able to finally be good enough be powerful enough to be you know a boss that I was at that's and and you know arguably you could say oh well you should have been using this or that this or that class or job instead and yeah that's fine but it shouldn't take an hour of catching up to 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 uh, to not have to use a specific class when they give you like two dozen options of classes to use throughout the game. Like that shouldn't be an issue, but it was. Um, but here's the thing: this is where it got really bad. Was to the was at the end, and throughout when I was playing this whole game, it was so boring, so tedious all the way through. Especially when I had to just stop. And mindlessly grind mobs I was I kept asking myself as I was playing it which do I dislike more this or Final Fantasy 2 because they were really really neck and neck and I don't know why but I just had to like decide which one I liked which one I liked the least and I kept going back and forth I was like you know this game is so boring your Final Fantasy 2 it had a lot of bad things but it just didn't hit me this bad maybe I like Final Fantasy 2 a little bit better. And then once I got like a little farther at some points, I was like, well, you know, this does have the job system. There's a lot of flexibility on how you can build your characters. And there, you know, there's some cool stuff. It's got it's got cool summons. Maybe I like maybe this one has a little bit of an edge, even though I still hate the damn game. But then I got to the final uh like run of bosses on the game. The the last point that you can save the game before the final boss is a good hour away from the final boss. Oof. And it includes um two entire dungeons. Uh and amidst those and within those dungeons there are five boss battles before the before the final boss. Okay? Plus a long-ass cutscene after the first of these bosses or no, right before the first of these bosses. So it is so long from the, again, the last time you can save it until you get to the final boss. Um, I will say to the game's credit that at least after each boss, it does refill all your health and all your spell slots. So you don't have to worry about that in the sense of conserving everything from, from boss to boss. But the main issue is, it takes so fucking long to get there from the last point where you can save. And so the first time I went through it I got to, I got through all the bosses and everything, all the all the like, you know, tedious regular encounter battles, got to the final boss and I died, of course. Now, I didn't just get beaten by the final boss. I got beaten but Keep in mind, I had spent probably roughly an hour. Let's let's say let's say maybe an hour to an hour and a half of. I'd say maybe an hour and a half to two hours of of grinding, along with playing against you know all the regular bosses before this. So I had already grinded quite a bit. On top of that, I did every optional boss, every optional mini boss. I got. Every, I was following a guide, so I got every good piece of gear that's hidden or whatever. A lot of there's this one part where there are like five pieces of really good gear, and you have to fight a a mini like a mini boss to get all of like for each one of them. I fought all of those, so I had all of this XP from fighting all of these optional bosses. I got all of the optional summons, which. First off, are powerful summons themselves. Second off, you have to, as is the case with the, you know, the as is Final Fantasy tradition, you have to beat the summon before you can get it. So I got all the XP from beating these summon bosses to get these summons, and I still lost to the final boss. <laughs> so, um, I load up my save again, and I go through all this bullshit. You know, it takes about, again, an hour, maybe a little bit more to get to the final boss. Now, in the very last dungeon, the way you get to the final boss is there are four bosses in this dungeon before the final boss. And I told you there's five. There is another one, like, in the previous dungeon before you get here, and you know, from the last points you can save. But right before you fight the final boss, there are four little boss. There are four other bosses that you have to fight in this dungeon. Before you fight the final final boss. Now, I wasn't really... I was just kind of mindlessly going through it while I was doing other things because I was so sick of the game at this point. And evidently, you can actually access the final boss before beating these four bosses that come before him because it's all kind of this one room. There's these branching paths. You go this way to fight one boss. You go this way to fight another. And then you go to the center. There's this glowing circle in the center that you go to get to the last boss, which is called a uh, cloud of darkness. And I guess I wasn't paying good enough attention and, they, and and didn't beat all of the four bosses before I went to the final boss. If you do that, there's a move that the boss has that just insta kills your entire party. What? Why would it let you do that? <laughs> like, just don't let me go there. If that's what you're gonna do, <laughs> if that, if you're just gonna kill me and erase the past hour of my life, just don't let me do that. <laughs> like, I don't think that's that much to ask.
2: This is Kingdom Hearts all over again.
0: Ah, uh, this is worse. I think. Whoa. Are yeah, you sure? I know. I know. Big, big words, but I think it's worse. Um, holy shit. So finally, I, I, and this is over the course of a couple days. I didn't do this all in one day. I I don't have that much patience, not nearly that much. So I did it again. And uh, this time I made sure not only to fight all of, make sure I fought all of the bosses beforehand, but I spent a lot of time in this final area, leveling up my guys before going to the final boss. I spent probably a good, maybe 30 extra minutes maybe more you know it was more than that because i sp- because after i lost the first time i was like oh okay i need to level more i spent about an hour in one of the dungeons just leveling up my guys and then i made another save where i you know i went back to where you can save and then went through the dungeon again uh and that was when I lost to the insta-kill thing. So I had spent, you know, an extra hour leveling on top of all that. So this time I finally did it, made sure I fought all the guys. And then before I actually went to, to Cloud of Darkness to fight him or her, I spent another 30 minutes leveling up my guys just to give them a, just to get them like a few levels up. So I'd have the extra, mostly it's the extra HP is what you need. Cause she has this attack that does shitloads of damage to everybody. I fucking lost it again. No. no. <laughs> I was. It's probably the angriest I've ever been at a video game.
2: Do, I was wow. like,
0: doing all doing like I was like, this isn't enough? Is this not enough for you? <laughs> just for just to give me the satisfaction of beating this boss. So somehow I had the willpower to try again. And I did make one tweak to my party. One thing that I that, and maybe this is partly on me. I was using a red mage, which is pretty good for most of the game. But I should have switched him to a uh, devout, which is kind of like a super super powerful white mage at the very end. I, I should have done that. But at the same time, me not doing me not doing that should have been counteracted by the extra hour and a half I spent leveling all my guys. So I'm not letting them off the hook for that. But uh, so I went back again changed him to this devout job then spent another hour probably another hour and a half just leveling my guys so at this point i've spent probably throughout the course of the game more than three hours just grinding to level up my characters and then finally on this fourth try at the final boss i finally beat her nice and it was still actually a little bit... There, it, okay, the battle itself wasn't close, but there were times where I was like, holy shit, if I don't get this mass heal off before she attacks me this round, I'm in serious fucking trouble. And there, were, I did lose one character at one point, but luckily I was able to bring her back to life because she was my big damage dealer. And uh yeah, like it still wasn't easy, even after all that, but I finally did beat it. And, uh, and as I said, I'm like... St- I haven't even finished watching the ending because I, I finished it right before, like just before we uh, we started recording tonight. But uh, that pretty much sealed the deal for me. This is definitely the worst Final Fantasy game I've played. It, 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 like My experience from this combined with Final Fantasy 2, even though I know 4 is supposed to be really good, I'm really going to have to just wait a little while before I move on to it. Ouch. Um, I'm still planning on going through all of them. Like I said, I was going to, but I am just going to need a little break this time. Uh, cause this has been, so I've been playing this for quite a while off and on because it's so bad. I just couldn't stick with it, but I've really, really like kind of once I got close to the end in the past week was when I really sort of hunkered down and got to it. And, uh, it has been one of the most unpleasant experiences I've ever had playing a video game.
1: I'm so sorry.
0: Don't be. It's, it's good then. He needs to go through this. As we
2: talked about before, video games have different different meanings for everybody and this is how Robert exercises anger.
0: Thank you, HG. I appreciate the consolation. I do um, have,
1: I have a question actually. Yeah. Just to add insult to injury as you're going <laughs> back fighting these four bosses, going back to this final boss, that cutscene that you mentioned, mm-hmm. it's not skippable, is it? Oh, no. No, no, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, hell no. Definitely not.
1: Okay. Yeah, just rubbing salt in the the wound.
0: I, I understand. Sometimes you have to do that.
1: Oh, God. Yeah, I'm, I haven't played three yet, so I'm, I actually got uh, a reproduction copy of it, so I could play it on an NES. So I'm hoping oh, cool. that maybe that might like play into what you were saying earlier about having the proper aesthetic played on the correct type of system for the time like i can see hammering away at something that seems so primitive on something that doesn't look primitive being annoying so (laughs) i i totally can get in on your level there
0: yeah and and again to me like the and i don't i really honestly don't mean this just as a purist like oh games were better in the good old days type like that kind of that really annoys me when people do that but to me there really was like on like in final fantasy one for instance you can really see the care that they took creating the sprites for all the monsters for the characters for everything in the game um and to me when i play this one, which again, it, the best way I can describe it is it's kind of vaguely like it's, of course, it's 3D. It looks like maybe something out of the PS1 era. Um, it looks much less like people creating 8-bit pieces of little tiny pieces of art. And it looks more like they just put assets together. And are like, yeah, here's a 3D character. He's got a sword and a shield. And again, that's just me personally. Um, but it it... it it loses all the art for me, personally. And so that that's why I think Final Fantasy 1, I, I, I did enjoy it as much as I did. Because it has that, of course. For all its flaws, it had that. And this one, for all its flaws, didn't have anything to save it.
1: <laughs> right. So yeah,
0: there's, um, something,
1: huh? there's something very charming. I was just going to say something very charming about like 8-bit and 16-bit art and like it leaves a little bit more to the imagination and I feel like a game that fails you in its core mechanics fails you at the core of what it should be and is dressed up and gives you the expectation that it's going to be better than it actually is (laughs) right is a letdown in itself yeah yeah I, I definitely do feel that
0: yeah well I think you're right so uh yeah that was pretty uh pretty damn frustrating experience for me And, um, I'm glad that I finally finished it and I get to move on to better Final Fantasy games, but it's going to, but I'm going to have to take a little break. So we'll see. I'm thinking, I think that the next RPG I might play, I've really been wanting to play Dragon Warrior, um, the NES game. I think that might be my next RPG. I was kind of, this is, these are very, very different. Uh, especially after I shit talked like PlayStation games, but I was thinking about maybe playing uh, *Parasite Eve* also. Ooh, is that PS One or PS Two? PS One, I think for one and two. Yeah. Okay. I was kind of very
2: unique series.
0: Yeah, it's always seemed kind of cool to me, even though I really don't know anything about it. But it can kind of came down to those two. I think I'm gonna go with the Dragon Warrior maybe.
2: In my mind, *Parasite Eve* feels very similar to. Um data Crisis. I always okay. put those two together in my mind.
0: I haven't mm-hmm. played either of them, so... Uh, Fun games. Cool.
1: Do you know which version of Dragon Warrior you're going to play? Probably NES. Yeah, yeah. I think I, th- I, think
0: I was just going to do just, just the base NES version.
1: Okay. Interesting. All right.
0: Um, I think she's je- judging you.
1: <laughs> no, I don't think it's... It's not coming from a place of judgment. It's more... I guess, from my experience, as someone who loves grinding in RPGs, um, I've tried the NES version twice and haven't been able to finish it because of how much you do have to grind. Oh, no. Like, I, don't, I don't think it's not
2: think I was right. like, never mind. I changed my mind. <laughs> but,
1: but just to hear like someone like you who just said, I hated grinding. It was awful. I had to do it. You're going to have to grind a lot. And there's um... other versions other versions of dragon warrior that are a lot more balanced that you might maybe consider looking into i okay. think there's like a, a game boy color version there might have been one released for the super famicom that you could play with a translation patch um ones that i think that have some quality of life improvements in terms of how you level and things but
0: maybe just sense. okay You're, i'm gonna i'll do a little research maybe yeah
1: I, <laughs> I would i would recommend that like for someone like me who loves a grind and i can't make it i don't know that I don't want to say that you can't because I'm sure that you could, but you might not like it. <laughs> I
0: think I can do anything now. Now that yeah. I've done Final Fantasy three, I feel like I can do just about it. Any- I don't know though. Uh, Zeno gears did kill me, but that wasn't so much grindy. That was just pure. This game is fucking long. Mm. Um, I'm looking up. what One thing I have heard about dragon warrior is that. And, and, aside of i guess apparently being grindy it doesn't have a very long run time like it doesn't take a long time like it's not like i just looked it up apparently it's about a 10 hour game um so so grind or not i think that makes up a lot for it not being a 40 hour game like final fantasy 3 is we'll see I, I, i'm gonna have to do a little bit more research we'll see what happens um so with my mini rant. I didn't get it as worked up as sometimes I do this time. I don't know why, because I really feel like I don't like I think I this might be my new number one most hated game, possibly. Um But speaking of number one of this or that, why don't we talk about our our top fives for this for this episode? Top five this'll be a nice change of, uh, this, this'll, this'll, this'll be a good one to to pick my spirits back up. Top five happiest games. So we didn't really define this and I kind of just left it that way on purpose. So we could just, whatever happiest games means to us. That's kind of what I wanted to go with. Um, so why don't we just do the same order that we did for this? So Jay, um, you want to kick us off with your with your fifth happiest game, um, and and I, I and also why don't you tell us like what what your approach was to how you define a happy game?
2: Sure. Um, so I was looking at from a perspective of the game. Generally, I was thinking I feel like the music is 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 one of the primary drivers for this specific top five. I felt like having you know happy music or music that's very positive sounding generally creates a a, a more positive experience for me. So. Uh, not that that was the sole thing for me, but I think it was a big proponent of my decision. So with that being said, uh, my number five is super Mario, specifically super Mario sunshine. I feel like with the aesthetics that go into that game, the overall music and the playful story that goes with it. Um, it's one of the games that I can, I really just enjoy. It's very relaxing, very low stress and just all in all, just a, a good time.
0: Cool. All right, HG, what's your fifth happiest game on your list?
1: This might seem a little bit weird, but for me, I actually chose Seaman for the Sega Dreamcast. <laughs> okay. And it was just like my definition for my happy happy time games was mostly like happy themes, things that make you feel happy mm-hmm. uh, in terms of maybe a sense of community or a sense of doing good in the world and the games themselves. So in Seaman, obviously, you're caring for a Seaman. And what's great about it is it kind of like, I don't know if you folks have played it, but essentially, you end up potentially being able to befriend this fish man. And I feel like that really fostered a lot of positive feelings in me when I played through it anyways, and, and just like being a caretaker, but Having a relationship with a, a pet, if you want to put it that way, that you would never be able to have in real life, and it's very introspective, and you get to like talk to this fish and talk about yourself and like get to know them. It was a really happy time. I thought it was really well done, despite all of like the dying that occasionally happens in it too. Like as your as your guy kind of evolves and stuff, there's some some tragedies, but at the end of the day, you still get to maintain your friendship with that that core being that you started out with at the beginning.
0: That's awesome. That's a good one. My fifth one, and I actually have one on here. I'll save it for the end. I'm, I'm certain it would be on my list, but I never actually played it. So I, so I can't say a hundred percent sure. So I'm going to leave it off. I'll get that one to that one later. But for my number five, I'm going to go with bubble Bobble, And I think that's mostly because of just kind of the, so the way I approached this list was like, just kind of carefree games, games that are like, you know, maybe like not necessarily that, that nothing is at stake. Like maybe there is something at stake, but that the characters in the game act happy the whole time. And they're, they kind of don't worry or, or just the game itself. Maybe there isn't anything at stake, just like the feel of the game in general. I think maybe however, however, they created that carefree feeling, whether it's the characters themselves or just, it being like, oh, there's nothing really much going on. For me, Bubble Bobble, it's just you're these happy little dinosaurs. You're bouncing around. Yeah, there's bad guys, but you're just going to trap them in bubbles and, and pop them or whatever. And then you're going to pick up like a bunch of fruit and like little various things along the way. And all it is is you're going from level to level, just kind of doing the same thing, popping, popping bad guys and, and picking up fruit and and listening to happy to happy music along the way.
1: The one song,
0: <laughs> the one song, yeah, yeah. Maybe they could have done a little <laughs> in the in the realm of variety there, but uh, but that one song is a happy little song.
1: It's great. I love it. I never get tired of it. honestly. Oh no, it's
0: it's I I do agree. It's it's uh, as repetitive as it is, it doesn't really bother me because I because I like it. <laughs> All right, Jay, what's your number fourth happiest game?
2: I'm a number four, a little bit of an odd one, uh, of the rapper. Uh, PS PS One. Oh, I played this game. I think I actually played this for the podcast not super long ago. Prepper, um, it's it's kind of weird because it is kind of it, it is a little bit dark in tone at times. But I feel like the overall sort of feeling you get from from playing it is very fun and, and kind of uh, to your point casual. You know, it's very DDR-esque where you have certain inputs you need to do in order to be successful. And I've always always found that kind of relaxing and uh, a simple kind of pleasure to go through.
1: Cool. Can I I've just never actually been able to make it out of level four. I don't want to spoil what level four is in Parappa the Rapper, but it's like my life's mission to actually oh, get
0: out of that level. You can spoil it. What is it? I don't remember it's the
1: it's the toilet level, I'm pretty sure, where you're in line and you go on a date.
0: <laughs> oh yeah.
1: And then if you lose, you, you get like that whole cutscene with like a rocket taking off and in your intestine. Just, it just cracked <laughs> me up so much. And I've never been able to actually get into that bathroom. It's like my life's mission. I swear, I need to actually do that one of these
0: days. All I remember, and I don't even remember what the song is, but I just remember this. I I do remember that the song is just absurd on that part of the. Well, it is to be fair on every single level of the game. But uh,
1: I think I think it might be level five actually. I think that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, sorry, (laughs) I just didn't want to mislead anybody. I think it's (laughs) level five. But yeah, the chicken one is funny too. The chicken that's cooking. Oh yeah! Lessons.
0: Every pretty much all the songs on the game on that game are are, are killer for <laughs> for their absurdity.
1: For sure. I'm sorry. I'm a very much a, a detractor of attention here. I apologize.
0: <laughs> oh no! Sorry. No, no. Don't worry about that. We do that constantly. Mm. So uh, okay, what's your number four?
1: I picked Kirby's Dreamland for Game Boy. Ah, good oh, one. one. Yeah, and. It's a a lot harder. I feel like some people play it and they're like, oh, this is easy. I struggle with Kirby's Dream Land. Oh, really? but like the whole aesthetic of it. I know it's like not colorized and all that because it's on Game Boy, but there's something about the cuteness of that game that just brings me a lot of joy. It's not one I had growing up either. I've only played it as an adult and I just love the themes in it. And yeah, it's it's a hard battle for me, but I there's something about it that I just really do enjoy. And it makes me very happy to play it.
0: A hard battle coming from the person who could beat Mike Tyson. True.
1: <laughs> Maybe my gaming skills have improved slightly since I played it last. <laughs> 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 but the last time I played it, I had a heck of a time actually making it through. There's something about that last boss that I hate. I don't know what it is. I, I can't get the hang of it. And it takes me a billion lives. And I've game over there before. Um, but yeah, Mike Tyson, pff, Nothing, King DDD. <laughs> Hell
0: on Earth, right? Okay. <laughs> um. All right. Cool. My number four is Mickey Mouse Capade mm-hmm.
2: for NES,
0: and yeah, all I remember is that you are Mickey and Minnie. Like, you basically play as both of them. If I remember correctly, Minnie just follows you and does the exact same like moves that you do, and. You're just, I mean, it's just you going around. I I think you're on a boat most of the time, just like collecting stars and like killing bad guys. I don't even remember, like, I don't even remember that much about the game. I just remember that you're Minnie and Mickey bouncing around on a boat collecting stars and the music. I remember, I can very clearly remember the music, even though I haven't listened to it in probably 30 years, uh, or maybe not quite that long, maybe more like 26 years. Uh, just like the whole feeling of it, again, just kind of this whole carefree nature of the way that the game feels. It's just like, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to go save the world or do whatever we're trying to do. And everything's going to be fine. And we're just happy about it. And we're just doing our thing. All right, Jay, what's your number three?
2: It's already back to me again. It is. Alright. Uh, my number three is Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, love again, talk about positive sort of visuals very, very uh, light colors or bright colors. The music ties in very well with it and just for the most part pretty casual. Obviously uh, Sonic is a little bit challenging because there are certain levels that are very frustrating and you can die but overall I feel like Sonic, just with how seamless especially how you feel like you're making progress through levels, it's a pretty relaxing experience. So.
0: Alright. Wait, wait, Relaxing? What about the water level? Okay, let's, uh, that's what I said for the most part. I'm talk about that.
1: <laughs> I did want to know because you mentioned the music specifically. Do you have a favorite song from that particular game?
2: Honestly, the, the the first one is it Spring Hill Zone. I feel like that one is just such a such that's a what classic pops in my head banger. It's just such a good one. I mean, each level. What I love about it is each each uh, track in that game really does uh, create a visual element or add to the visual element that the levels have. So that's just the one that comes
0: out sticks out first. Cool. All right, HG, what's your number three?
1: I went with Harvest Moon 64. Nice. Cool. And, well, I'm sure if anyone's familiar with Harvest Moon, you kind of know the premise. You end up taking over a farm. You have to essentially make friends by visiting people and talking to them and giving them gifts. Usually you win people over by buying them, essentially. And then eventually you can also maybe get married and have a kid in the game. And Harvest Moon 64... Just does all of that. But the pinnacle of Harvest Moon 64 are the cows. And they're just so cute and so wonderful. Like, if there's one thing that I could define as true happiness in a video game, (laughs) it's brushing my cows and milking them and their little faces and their little hearts that they put out for you. There's something so relaxing. What's funny too is like Harvest Moon 64, you're on a clock that runs so fast during your days. And I could just spend my whole day brushing my cows and just let my crops like just let them just stay in the state of non growing because I've just spent the whole day playing with the cows and the little field that I built for them. I just love that game so much. It's so wonderful.
0: I'm certain that that would have been on my list had I played that game.
1: It's fantastic. It's a little bit clunky because you can't deposit a stack of things in the shipping bin for example at the end of the day you have to literally put every single turnip you've made in individually so the interfaces has a little bit to be desired but oh my god like playing that through there were a couple of years ago i played it through in september i had like my week of harvest moon during harvest moon time in real life <laughs> i i loved it i finished the game and it was wonderful i can't recommend it enough just for a pastime and something relaxing and, and wonderful
0: Awesome. All right. Well, my number three is, uh, is, I also have Kirby on my list. I was thinking more of the, I, I think, I, I think I was, I kind of had more of the NES one in mind, but I would a hundred percent agree about the Game Boy one that I played that so much when I was younger and I never even played the NES, the NES one until maybe a couple years ago. Uh, but yeah, just the, like the. You're just a pink little, like, fluff cloud flying around. You barely even fight bad guys. You just suck them up and absorb their powers. I mean, yeah, you can kill bad guys if you want to, but, like, you're really just, I mean, it's Kirby. You're what? What's the worst that you could be doing? They're, they're probably going, they're probably turning into little fluff clouds themselves in the afterlife, I bet. Maybe. And you're just fighting, totally. and, like, everybody, like, I mean, you're fighting a tree that looks not even too angry himself. And nothing about the game is feels like there's high stakes at all. It's just like you're this little guy going around sucking up bad guys and just flying through, like flying past levels because a lot of times you don't even have to fight bad guys if you don't want to. And uh, yeah, just like the, again, going back to the kind of carefree nature of it, it feels so like whimsical and just, yeah, you're just this little character just kind of saving the world. That's all there is to it.
1: I, I want to ask a follow-up question if it's okay. Mm-hmm. Did you finish that one? NES? Yes no,
0: I did not finish this one and I don't okay. I think I think I just kind of eventually got bored with it like I don't remember I think there were there were a couple parts that were kind of hard. I don't think it was too hard overall. I think I just like got to a certain point I was like, okay, I kind of feel like I've seen all all that this game has to offer me.
1: Gotcha. okay. I won't say any more Then I was just curious to know
0: why is there is there like a turning point
1: <laughs> there there's a turning point oh really like, I sat down and I played it through all in one session one day and I thought oh this is great this is so relaxing and so much fun <laughs> and, and then oh my god like the ending part turns everything on its head and it just transforms into what I got stuck on for probably about maybe an hour if my total play time was about 3 hours or so, I got stuck in that last stage for maybe not quite an hour, maybe like half an hour of just having to repeat the same process Ooh, wow. over and over. It gets a little dark. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like at <laughs> least oh my in gosh. my opinion, like feel free to disagree um if you if you've played it.
0: But- that's that's awesome. Okay, I might have to try this out just to see. Now I'm really interested. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jay, back to you for number two. All right, hear me out. Okay, number two is Pikmin.
2: Now, uh, as you kind of talked uh, about, is whoa, Pit, Pikmin, Pikmin has some dark elements to yeah. it, obviously. I understand that, but I will say for me, Pikmin is a very uh fun game to play, it's very enjoyable. The Pikmin are obviously super adorable and interactive, and especially at the early stages, is, is very fun. Um, also watching the Pikmin work together. As a single unit to move very large objects and to help you progress through the game is super cool and super cute. So I think it all, for the most part, is a happy game. Obviously, there are some challenges, especially when you lose Pikmin. But
0: yeah, and you hear them scream while they're dying. Yeah, yeah,
2: I know, I know, trust me. But I still feel like it's a it's a fun game. And after my last playthrough, the first one, I feel like it is. It, it once you sort of understand the main mechanics of the game, it is relative, relatively relatively relaxing there are some challenging aspects of it especially when you get down to the end of the day and the timer starts and that's that can be pretty stressful but overall i feel like games it's pretty darn fun
0: all right i'll i'll let you have that opinion okay hg what's your number two
1: i went with curse of monkey island oh for...
0: that's cool mm-hmm.
1: yeah i find like the game is kind of serious overall but the overtones of it are so funny. That game is right. just full of such interesting humor and funny characters. Like Murray, the demonic skull, is probably one of my <laughs> favorite video game characters uh-huh. ever. Uh, Wally crying in the beginning and and later on in the game, like his his whimpering just cracks me <laughs> right up. <laughs> I, I don't know. Just, there's something about it, like the art style, the jokes, the humor, the whole thing, like how you solve puzzles sometimes too. I just there's so much happy stuff Um, but yeah so point and click adventures i love this one is probably one of my favorites just for that reason
0: that's awesome i didn't even consider the like the monkey monkey island is my favorite series ever and uh but i didn't even consider those for this but yeah you, you make a good you make a good point with that one thank you all right my number two is super fantasy zone This was on Sega Genesis. I'm sure it might have been on the uh, on the uh,
1: the um Master System. Yes,
0: thank you. I always get because the um the Master System and what was the uh, and the Mega Drive. It's like a running joke. I always on this show on this podcast. I always fucking get them confused. But um yes. (laughs) There, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a version on like the master system or I bet there were other versions on other things but super fantasy zone on Sega Genesis is just a it's 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 hilarious because it's the happiest little pastel game but it's a shoot-'em up and you're just fly like just look this game up if you if you if you're unfamiliar with it you' you're you flying this cute little like spaceship type thing you're you're flying around like shooting flowers and other and and like bad guys and stuff and getting power-ups and it's kind of an interesting game because along with being a shoot 'em up it's also like a free roaming game so on any given level you're going back and forth just kind of flying whichever direction you want shooting bad guys and everything is just super like it looks like a game for little kids but it's but it's really not that's just kind of like what the color scheme is you're just in this pastel world with like flowers all over the place and cute little bad guys and your ship is this cute little ship with wings. And uh Yeah, even though like you wouldn't think it from a game of this genre, this is uh this is just like a happy little game. It's like the Hello Kitty of shoot 'em ups.
1: Yeah. It's it's a beautiful one. You play as Opa Opa, I think. I think oh really? Like is that the
0: Polish? is that what you're thinking?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's fantastic i i'm horrible at shooters so i definitely shy away from them i have fantasy zone 2 on master system i don't have the first game oh There's okay fantasy zone maze or something like that or something like that
3: really
0: um but yeah
1: i agree wholeheartedly like the graphics and everything just yeah spot on choice i love it
0: <laughs> awesome all right jay what's your number one happiest game in the entire world
2: uh no surprise here. I, th- I feel like Animal Crossing, the original one for GameCube, really fits this this uh, specific top five very, very well. I mean, the original I almost said original Final Fantasy, the original uh, Animal Crossing. <laughs> you can spend the entire day doing absolutely nothing and still have a lot of fun with it. You could be running errands for your villagers. You could be fishing for money. You could be you know interacting with different town members or building things. Obviously, it doesn't have as much customization and some of the added items that came in with the the newest edition, but Playing the original Animal Crossing, I played a lot of the weekends and would spend many, many hours doing it and just had a blast doing it while feeling extremely relaxed.
0: That is a very good one. And this is the one that I said I, that I was going to say at the end and I was waiting because I, I was, I, I assumed it was probably on somebody's list. Yeah. I'm certain that this would have been on my list if, if I had played it, but I hadn't played any Animal Crossing until the most recent one. All right, good one. HG, you're up next.
1: All right. I chose Ultima Four, Quest of the Avatar. Really?
0: It's
1: my number one happiest game. It's the only game that I've ever played where you're not fighting something evil and you're just going around the world doing <laughs> good stuff and trying to become a beacon of hope for people that have been ravaged by war and terrorized for generations past. So to me, like I played Ultima 4 on the Master System. That's the only experience I've had with it. Mm-hmm. And it was phenomenal, like a transformative experience for me playing through a game that just was so tailored to me, you know, uh, not in, in the sense like the game obviously unfolds the same way for everybody, but like it, it just really made me think a lot about myself. And it gave me a really good sense of, I guess, I don't want to say pride because obviously like that's the worst thing in the game is to be prideful. <laughs> like, like my ability to fulfill the needs of others, become a good person, solve the problems of a, a troubled world. Like all of those things together just created a sense of happiness and like self-fulfillment that I don't really get from any other game that I've ever played. So it's, it's a pretty special game for me for sure.
0: That's a really good one. I had not even considered. I actually, I played this, not that long ago for the podcast and uh i couldn't quite find the patience for it but i definitely appreciated what the game was and what it was trying to do and its approach to like giving you a goal in an rpg which i've never seen before this game as you said is the entire game is just you're going to you're your the goal your goal is to become like a a good person <laughs> basically and uh, no other, obviously, like there's no other game that's just like your goal is to become a paragon of, of virtue, basically. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing, no other game does that. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's a that's a really good one. Thank you. My number one, and I'm kind of surprised that this was that I'm the only one with this on my list. My number one is Earthbound. Um, Ooh. Despite you know, the end of the world scenario and all this stuff. All every, every second of this game is just pure hopefulness and happiness. You're just these little kids going around. Yes. You're trying to save the world. Yes. Bad things could happen. Yes. Bad things are happening, but it's like, that doesn't phase you at all. You're these four little hopeful kids who are just happy to be saving the world. And you're just doing your best. And that's really all there is to it. And they never stop smiling. And, and, and like, that's all there is to it. You're just going around. It's like, yeah, all, there's, there's terrible stuff happening, but everything's going to be fine because we're going to fix everything. And we're going to save the whole world. I like it. Yeah. I just, uh for me, it's like, it's, that's, that's kind of like the pinnacle of being a happy game is even when bad stuff is happening. It's like, oh yeah, no, it's, it's, I'm going to fix everything. Don't worry about it. We're going to be happy about it along the way. All right. Our next top five uh, is going to be the top five games that you hate the most. Um, I I forgot to check. I meant to check. I, I'm sure that we've done top five, like least favorite games mm-hmm. in the past. Probably like a very long time ago. But I think this is slightly different in that it's not just a game that you maybe are incredibly bored by playing, but a game that this is a game that you actively like have some sort of deep seated hatred for and really just dislike the very fact that this game exists in the first place. Sound good to you, Joey?
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I think one of the stipulations we put is it's games we've played, right?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I can't be like I hate this or that game cuz for whatever reason, yes. It has to be a game that you have played. Okay. So mail us those if you want to mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. And uh, and with that, let's let's jump into our emails. Let's talk quickly, Jay. Uh, let's talk real quick about uh, our approach to emails. So we're basically, we're not doing much different. Um, I guess I'll I'll, I'll explain what, what's going on. Jay, you correct me, or if you have any extra input, please add it in. But um, we might, I resisted doing this for a very, for, for as long as we've been doing the podcast, for a very, very long time. We are going to start Editing some emails. Uh, if an email is very long, f- starting basically now, we are going to start maybe cutting out some parts of some emails, mostly because Jay and my voice start to really go downhill right at about this point in the podcast. And I've always not wanted to do this because I, my my perspective has always been if you guys take the time to write it to write into us, then I want to kind of respect that and take the time to read everything uh, that you that you have to say to us. And I've always kind of felt bad about cutting out anything that you've had to say, but in the sake of like us making it through the end of the episode, like sometimes like it's physically painful for our voices. Uh, like I'm not exaggerating, Jay. You can back me up on this. No, absolutely. Um, so to counteract that a little bit, we 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 are going to start. In some cases, if the email is very long, editing some things out just to make it uh, just to make us able to get through this part of the podcast a little bit more. And again, it does kind of pain me to do that because I really the, the, our whole goal in starting this podcast from the very beginning was to kind of have conversations with other people to kind of start a discourse with the listeners, have them write in. And we, we really have always wanted to hear other people's thoughts and we still are going to hear everyone's thoughts and we still are going to read all of our, every email, but we might not read a hundred percent of every email.
2: Yeah. I think, I think that's kind of the big key that, that we want to make abundantly a of the clear because yeah, you know, Robert and I have talked about this for a while and you know, it, and there's two pieces to it. I mean, one is, is obviously it is very challenging at times when some of the emails that come through that are very lengthy, it is very challenging for us to do it uh, in terms of just damaging our voices, but also we, we do feel like some of the parts of the email section may go pretty lengthy at times. And we, we, it's not that we want to necessarily get away from that, but we just want to be aware of that. So yeah, we are still going to continue to read the emails prior to the episode of the podcast, but we are not going to read it in full on the podcast all the time. So just to make that very clear.
0: And a lot of times I haven't even read most of the email. Well, like 99% of the time I don't even read the emails beforehand, but I will glance at them. So basically what I, what I'm, what I will do now is glance at the email. If, it, if it's a long one, then I'll read through it, see if I can chop it down a little bit and, uh, and go from there. So with that said, we've got, we got a good number of emails this time. One, two, three, four, four, five, maybe six. Um, so let's get going. This first one, ah, it's a very short one. Actually, this one's from Sven. Uh, Sven says a new level of cringe up for a new peak level of cringiness. Watch. <laughs> wow. Well, of course it has to do with Billy Mitchell. Watch Billy Mitchell's account of himself and, and his illustrious gaming career in this video. Something or someone like this can only become real in the marvelous, marvelous U.S. of A. He, and he, so he sent me along to see if this is... <laughs> it's just... We don't have to... All right, Sven, I really honestly will check this out. I, I don't want to, to spend, a, you know, like six minutes on the podcast just getting a reaction video, but I will share this with uh, J and HG mostly so that they can look at just the picture of the video. Just the first frame before it starts playing with Billy Mitchell, just giving you a big fat thumbs up. Uh, Just go to that link and uh, you don't even have to start the video. You can just see Billy Mitchell there. He's doing his Billy Mitchell thing. He's got the American flag tie, the American flag handkerchief. And he's doing so old. (laughs) Um, he's
2: a very cringy dude
0: and he's got his tie on the outside he's got a vest on but he's got the tie on the outside of the vest so that's uh, pretty killer I'll check this out Sven but I'm not going to do it during the podcast but thank you for sending it in next one comes from Father Beast Father Beast says hey classic gamers this is Father Beast I've been having trouble lately summoning the energy to do much of anything except go to work these days but I did want to write with a quick note I want to say, hell yes, I will join in on playing Civilization IV for Game of the Quarter, but I am a little confused. My wife bought me Civ 4 Complete for my birthday in 2009, uh, so the game must have come out in 2006 or 7, right? Oh, wait, I my computer. I can look. Okay, it came out in 2005. I also intend to play Quest for Glory 3 as I continue the summer of Quest for Glory... <laughs> He's been do- Jay. Do you re- I don't know if you remember, but he's been doing this ever since we played Quest for Glory. Yeah, like three years ago. He just decided he's going to do it on his own every summer from now on. He says, but I'm not sure when I'll get to that. I also don't know where my discs are for Civ Four, so I might just get get it on GOG as it's worth it. Also, I'm playing another classic kind of game, and I might report on that in the future. Father Beast. All right. Next is from Jonathan. Jay, I'm going to just paste this in our Discord real quick. I, I'm gonna let, if, if you don't mind, I'll have you read this one. No, by all means.
2: Uh, Jonathan says, hey guys, just a quick shout out to those who wrote in last week asking for advice about Final Fantasy Tactics. I agree. Good call. Good call, Jonathan. Uh, I've beaten it in played playthrough recently when I learned a hard lesson. Make sure you have multiple save files. That is actually a really, really good tip, actually, because there are some definite spots where you can get stuck and lose your whole entire playthrough um, if, you don't do- if you do not do so. Uh, Jonathan goes on to say, "I know, I know, it's common sense by now, but that doesn't change the need to hear it. Well, especially with people who are new, right? It's definitely something they may not have heard." Yeah. Uh, Jonathan goes on to say, "I forget where it is in the game, but there's a mission where you uh, that has you save between battles. After wiping the first level, it didn't occur to me that I might lose. But the problem is that this level didn't let you return to the map. So when you reload, you start into the battle, yep. uh, and the battle is set up, and there's." Uh, there is a character you must save who is on the other side of the closed gate. Yeah, that's one of the battles oh, the closed gate yeah. one. I
0: got stuck there. No I spoilers. Didn't, yeah. yeah, I didn't get um, like I didn't have to restart my game, but I did get stuck there. I had to play that level a good maybe like ten or fifteen times uh, until I beat it because that's a hard one. And yes, if you, I mean it is a spot where you could potentially get stuck and have to start your save over. I was stuck there for a while and I eventually powered through, but I definitely remember that.
2: Yep. Uh, He says, I tried five or six times, but didn't have the right jobs or abilities to keep them alive and ultimately lost about 20 to 30 hours of gameplay. Haven't touched it since. Maybe it's about time to go back. Um, I've been playing fell seal arbiters, Mark for the switch, which play, which pays homage to final fantasy tactics and enjoying it quite a bit. Uh, One of the story, uh, one fun story about tactics was when leveling to 99 before fighting the second story about the map, (laughs) lots of yelling and throwing rocks. Oh yeah.
0: Why would you do that?
2: That make the game super easy. Uh, um, and he closes out the email by
0: saying, talk soon? Question mark. Do you know what that's about? I don't get that. I uh, don't know what he's talking about there. Sure, we'll talk soon. Maybe he's just saying he's going to send okay. us another email.
2: Please Follow-ups. do. We'd love to hear
0: it. All right. Next. Oh, we got a follow-up. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. We got a follow-up from Father Beast. He says, um, hello, Classic Games. This is Father Beast. As I said, I was playing a uh, sort of retro sort of a retro game that I might report on, and it was a remastered game, Bard's Tale uh, Trilogy Remastered. I'm an old fan of the old Bard's Tale games, and I played the first one almost to completion on my Commodore 64. I bought Bard's Tale 2 and 3, but only played a little bit of them. Excuse me. Uh, So, anyway, spoilers. I finished the first game in the remastered version, so let's get down to it. The first game was called uh, Tales of the Unknown, The Bard's Tale, because they had intended to make a trilogy, which they did. This is essentially a dungeon crawler with turn-based combat. And before each uh, combat round, you select what each character's will do. And with all your commands queued up, the game executes your commands, and the enemies attack in whatever order it thinks they should go in, probably based on an unseen dice roll. Regarding levels, when you get enough experience, then you can level up, but this doesn't happen automatically. You have to go to this place called the Review Board, and they will advance your level. Your mages can also get new spells there uh, when they are leveled up enough for them, as well as change to a different kind of mage when they have learned enough. Your mages can change once they advance to the third spell level in their current class, but I always went all the way to the seventh level before changing, uh, since you can't go back to a previous class. Your spell points recharge slowly in the daytime, but not in a dungeon. You can visit a place in town called Roscoe's, and he will take money to recharge your mages. Then there's the glorious loot. You will soon be leaving behind your ordinary chain or plate mill for mithril, adamant, or diamond armor. and there are ide- Plus there are items which contain charges of spells, from bard horns which allow him to breathe fire on his enemies, to shields or wands which cast your residual light detection or armor spells. It seems like you were always running into some neat new bit of stuff. Now we come to the changes from the original game. First, they included some modifications to combat, which they did in the later games. In the original, you could have six people in your party, and there was a slot at the front for a summoned creature. In combat, only characters in the first three slots could attack by melee, while the ones in behind could cast spells or do ranged damage. Now you have seven slots, and summoned creatures move to the front. The first four can fight melee monsters can appear in up to four groups in the original game. Only the first two groups can melee with your party Uh, in the original game. Your armor class got better as the number got lower and the best was minus 10. Now the armor class is not limited. This category of changes would have been enough to let me finish the first game. I couldn't finish the game because I was always having to leave the last dungeon to get my party fixed. This time, I only got one of my guys turned to stone a couple times, and I was able to heal him without leaving the dungeon. Oh yeah, there's other improvements like graphics and sound, and I admit, it does look and sound great. I just don't care much about those. All in all, I really enjoyed it. I watched a review of the trilogy on YouTube by Lord Fenton Gaming, and he said that parts 2 and 3 are even better, so I'm looking forward to those. This was really long. I wonder if you will actually read this, Father Beast. Father Beast, thank you very much. Actually, this made me kind of be like, maybe I want to try Bard's Tale. Probably not, because I got like a bunch of other games that I want to play. But uh, I was intrigued by this. So thank you, Father Beast, for writing in. It's on my it's on my radar, at least, if nothing else. Uh, where'd my emails go? Hold on. Here we go. Okay. Uh, we got two more. First one comes from uh, the famous Chase the Night Cleaner. Jay, you want to take this one? Of course. I
2: always Uh, handle Chase.
0: uh, It's making me upload uh, a file, so just click that. That's fine. i got to calm
2: Chase down, so. (laughs) Uh, Here we go. Chase says, hello gentlemen, and oh man, I don't want to screw this up. Hungary Okay, oh okay. I thought he was trying to make a, a pun of some kind. My apologies. I, I thought he like I thought he was like trying to combine two words to make a pun of some kind of this really No, he should just say hungry gory. Okay, thank you. Uh, Chase and I clean you here with your episodic email of the show, how exciting. Uh, so I recently picked up an Xbox One S as I prepare for the next gener- As I prepare for next generation, and was surprised to learn that the controller in-, in box ran out of batteries and did not come as a USB charging option. I started getting flashbacks to the 360 era where I burned through AA's like crazy, and just thought it was such a funny design choice. Even the Wii Used tablet was a USB rechargeable device. So I now say, what's up, Microsoft? Um, I, know, I, I know they have models that are USB rechargeable and even the AA battery-based models can also be directly plugged into the device with USB to micro USB for direct wire in place. But still, such a wild thing to encounter in 2020 on a version of the system that was released back in 2016.
0: That
2: is yeah, maybe it was in hopes of keeping costs down. And this brings me to my two questions of the day. First off, what was your favorite gaming controller of all time? I think we've talked about this before, actually. Um, it's been, i
0: think we have—but it's been to, a long time. Oh, go ahead. You want to go first, Rob? Um, I mean, off the top of my head, like without having to think much, I would honestly say Super Nintendo. I feel like it's the perfect balance of enough buttons but not too many, and it's a nice. It's got nice rounded edges, unlike the NES one, so you're not cutting your hands on it. You know, not actually cutting your hands, but you don't get those corners digging into your hands. Um, and like again, I don't, I really, really don't mean to to sound like the crotchety guy who thinks new video games suck because I play plenty of new games. But like honestly, when I'm playing on a PS4 or like. On an Xbox 360 controller on my PC, like sometimes I feel like there are too many buttons for me to have to worry about. I feel like you the did. super. I feel like the Super Nintendo is perfect. Like maybe okay, yeah, it'd be maybe better if it had joysticks, but I feel like one shoulder button on each side is ideal, and then you got four face buttons and then your D pad. I I love it. Cool. HG, HG. what about what about you?
1: If you were worried about feeling crotchety, I'm going to sound even crotchetier. Um, <laughs> because my favorite is the NES uh, for reasons that you already described, but that I feel more strongly about. I feel like the SNES controller has too many buttons for the life of me. Wow. I can never remember to use shoulder buttons in games. <laughs> like I can go through a whole game without ever touching them. And they had some important function that I just never even knew about. <laughs> um, but yeah, the NES controller is just simple you can pause on it which is great unlike the master system controller where you got to get up and push pause on the console which i just think is an abomination and a half and i have small hands so it's perfect for me and i don't feel like i get cramped up playing with that one
0: i do i i will say i do genuinely really like playing on an nes controller even though like i said i did say like it it does have the hard edges which kind of maybe get annoying if you're playing on it for a long time, but that's kind of really it. But like, I do like just having, yeah, these are the two buttons that you're using and all you got to do is have your thumb in one spot the whole time. And that's all you have to think about. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I I was little, the way, like when I first got my Nintendo, uh, the way that I played it and I did the same thing on Sega Genesis two. And I didn't even think about doing it any other way until like I saw my friends playing it. Like the traditional way, the way that we do now, the way I held the controller was the normal way on the D-pad side with my thumb on it, but on the button side, I held it with my thumb underneath the controller and my two, like my middle finger and pointer finger, like respectively on the two A and B buttons. Oh, the claw grip! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you, Does any? Like, is that a thing? Like, does other? Do other? Did other people do that?
1: Some people do, I think, for speedrunning, just for the, oh, the really? fastness of having two separate fingers on a, each button. So, it, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I would be faster that way, but versus moving a thumb back and forth, I can definitely see the benefit for some games if you need that speed for sure.
0: Sure. Yeah. yeah. I guess that kind of makes sense. And that was how I held my Genesis controller, too, obviously, with three fingers instead. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and then, like, I saw one of my friends doing it. I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. All right. For
2: me, as I've said before, that's what I was gonna say, uh, was the PS One. Um, I really like the PS One controller, especially when they added the analog sticks to it. That I have very large hands, and I feel like the size of that controller fit very comfortably. I like that the analog sticks are uh, parallel to each other. I don't, I did not like the Xbox controller where they were diagonal. I felt like that was really uncomfortable for my hands. So, oh, really? uh, I just felt like the the uh, shoulder. What were we saying?
0: I just said, oh really because I I, I kind of oh, do like gotcha. the offset the offset joysticks a little bit I don't know why
2: no it doesn't doesn't do good for me I like the uh the parallel piece of it um, and then also the shoulder buttons I felt were really accessible it just my hands fit very well um, on that controller and I always found it to be and I, I spent a ton a ton of time on that console so
0: I still have trouble on dual on like the sh- like the bumper and the trigger buttons like Remembering which which one I'm supposed to use for any given thing, like I always just have to. guess yeah, like, I still have there. to like just guess which one is which. Like which one I'm supposed to be using.
2: Yep. No, I, I know
0: what you mean.
2: Uh, let's see. So Chase goes on to say, "I've always been a sucker for the original PS One controller. Boom. What's
0: up, Chase? Nailed it. Uh,
2: it's marginally improved on the SNES design, which was a pretty good start, uh, and I just felt great in your hands. Perfect. Uh, when the PS Classic comes out. And included uh, two PS One controllers. I was in heaven. Question number two: What is your dollar threshold on a video game purchase? This question applies to collector items as well as entire consoles at market price. We'll see the same order. If you want to take us up, bro.
0: I mean, I don't know that. I, I It's kind of a hard question to answer because to collectors' items as well. I mean, it depends on the thing, you know. Um, like. I don't know if I have a if I have a hard threshold. This one's kind of a hard one for me. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to pay something ridiculous f- for something that's not worth it, but that's true for anybody. So I don't know if I really have a good answer for this. What, do you guys have answer? like a like a hard limit on on anything <laughs> game-wise? What do you think? Yeah, I don't know if I have a good answer.
2: I'll let you go first
1: to if you want. Sure. Um, I think for me in terms of games, I don't really ever want to pay more than the price of a new game today. And
2: okay. that's, that's exactly where my head at. You talk yeah. about the sixty dollar
1: price tag? Uh in Canada it's more like eighty dollars before taxes. So yeah. Aww. Um in that in that ballpark. I live in Ontario too, so we have a thirteen percent sales tax on top. So a new game for us is close to almost a hundred bucks, ninety hundred bucks. Wow. So, um yeah, it's kind of crazy. But I don't know. When I'm at a game convention and I see a game for 50 bucks, 60 bucks, I think like that's kind of approaching what I feel comfortable playing or paying for something. Uh, But I'll often try to trade like if I have extras or something like I actually have no idea how much money comes and goes from my hands at conventions because I'm trading in games I bought maybe months ago, Mm. but I feel like are worth something. But in terms of actual hard cash, definitely like 60 bucks. Like, the most I think I've ever paid for something was $160 for Crusader of Senti, which I had never seen in the wild. I'll probably never see it again. And I picked that up in a heartbeat. So, yeah, I, I it, like, um, like you guys were saying, it really depends on the item, right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: I'm gonna say boat there. Generally for me, I, I try not to... I, I don't even generally go for a lot of the AAA $60 titles, at least. Um, I, I usually try to buy things after they've gone on sale. I'm very patient with it. So I even I would say $60 is definitely my limit, especially with the Switch, because like, obviously a lot of the stuff for the Switch hasn't gone down in price at all. So that's pretty much the limit for me. Cool. Chase goes on to say, "I ask because rumors of next-generation console prices are starting to surface, and they aren't cheap. It's sounding like both devices will be around five to six hundred dollars, uh, which USD, which for some folks is no small chunk of change. Gaming as a hobby is inherently expensive, with a lot, uh, with a lot of the cost going into your console or PC of choice. And depending on what device you prefer to play on, the software prices vary with some." Uh, First-party content like Nintendo games rarely or never dropping in value, as I was just talking about, um, or going on sale while the system is still being circulated in stores. So what's the dollar value of a thing in gaming that you are – wait, sorry. So what's the dollar value of a thing in gaming that you are like, nah, I'm good for now, thanks. Um, Yeah, I think we kind of touched on that. I mean, anything above market prices is is a definite no, and then even generally I'll wait on things to wait for sales. I mean, Steam sales, summer sales, all that kind of stuff are – are usually
0: uh big for me yeah um yeah it's so hard for me to say because sometimes i'm a sucker for stuff but other times like like a lot of and i and i think this is true for a lot of people a lot of the time the point where i draw the line is dlc it's like no Mm. i don't i don't want to i already bought the game i don't want to like if it's a game, you know, unless it's a free to play game like League or something like that, which I haven't played in years. But like that was one where I spent money on where I did spend some money on like uh, uh, fucking like skins and stuff. But if it's a game that I paid for in the first place, then I'm very, very hesitant to ever pay more money to the same game to get extra things. Maybe that's the best answer I have for this. As far as nah, I'm good for now. Nah, thanks.
2: Yeah. Um, and Chase closes up by saying, and that is it for me today. Thanks as always for all that you do and for this little sweet little section of your show. And thanks, you, thank you to Hungagria for your great content on YouTube. I'll be sure to catch up on your videos as all of them appeal to my nostalgia and the video quality and editing is top notch. You make me proud to be a Canadian. Cheers and talk again soon. Chase the Night Cleaner.
1: Aw, that's very sweet. Thank you so much
0: that was cool thanks chase chase is great don't tell myself that but he's great yeah I'll, I'll edit it out <laughs> uh, this one comes from Jeffrey <clears throat> the subject line is gor I, I, okay I'm just gonna read this I don't quite know what he's asking subject line is guria is like ll equals y sound question mark. I guess he means, does that mean gorilla? That's my best guess as to what he's even saying right there. Sorry, Jeff. I can't I can't quite parse your communication there. Uh, no, so I'm just going to go on with your email. What was that?
1: I was just going to say, I get hungry gorilla once in a while because people are like, oh, well, I don't know how I'm supposed to say your name or they misread it. So I do get hungry gorilla a lot. But yeah, I. Based on your interpretation, I would agree that that's, they're asking how to pronounce the name, and I think probably it's I think it's Gorilla, but yeah. I think it's this-
0: Gorilla too, and maybe that was supposed to be like a translate, like maybe they're trying to say gorilla in the translation. Like, you think that's possible?
1: <laughs> I don't know. You're just like a little furry beast that lives in a cave. And demands meat. (laughs) I don't know. It's hard to tell from the the 8-bit sprite work what you're actually supposed to be.
0: My best guess is that it's supposed to be a gorilla in the game. And it wasn't uh, quite translated well. But yes, I think the pronunciation, regardless of that, would be guria. Because uh, in Japanese, there's not a rye sound, but there is a re sound. Mm. Uh. Anyway. Jeff's, uh, Jeffrey says, hello friends, how fitting that you are having Hungry Garia on this week's podcast. She will, I'm sure, provide a calming, positive, non-aggro vibe. Last week, there was Streets of Rage talk and questions from emailers about which character you would want in a bar fight with you <laughs> and which game's characters you would want in a Street Fighter type 2D fighting game. It got me thinking, why don't we talk about which uh, video game character you would want to chat with? over a beer or which video game characters would make the best romantic romantic comedy couple or buddy cop duo any thoughts on who you'd want to chat with over a beer or any or something like that or or which you would want to be in a romantic comedy i don't know if i have a good answer to this
2: Barrett Wallace from Final Fantasy 7, I feel like would be a really fun character to grab a beer with.
0: Oh, you nailed it.
2: I would love to hear some of his stories.
0: Him or Solid Snake?
2: Right. I feel like you get a lot of one-line quotes from Solid Snake. <laughs> Plus, do you think he'd show up in a cardboard box?
0: So I would hope so. Solid Snake, what do you want to order to drink? Ordered a drink?
2: Yeah, it'd be a very one-sided conversation.
0: <laughs> hey, I have to talk through... You can only talk to him on the radio thing. the, the On the codec. Uh, Jeffrey says, Happiest Games also fits perfectly. Uh, I'm t- and I didn't even think about that, but yes. Uh, Happiest Games also fits perfectly. I'm taking this as games with a happy vibe, not games that make me happy. Here we go. Five, Donkey Kong. Dude looks really... Dude really looks happy chucking them barrels. I don't buy him as an enemy. He's just an ape doing what feels right to him. For Kingdom Hearts. I'm what? honestly not saying this to get Rob worked up. Uh-huh. <laughs> some of the land... You're pushing it, Jeffrey. Some of the lands... I already had to talk about Final Fantasy III. Uh Some of the lands, especially the Hundred Acre Woods, really brought a smile to my face, not to mention my man, Goofy. Hey, he's got me there. It's got Goofy, it's got, I really honestly, and I do agree with him, The Hundred Acre Woods, I did really enjoy that part of the game as well. Um, three, Bubble Bobble, there we go. Look at the cover art and listen to the Extra Lives version of the theme song and tell me you don't feel joy. Uh, two, Toe Jam and Earl, that's a good one. So funny, so fun, so bizarre in all the best ways. The color palette, the characters, the worlds, even the sound of this game is happy, and if you can play two players, it's exponentially better. Yep, agreed all around. And number one, Chrono Trigger. I uh, am I breaking my own rule by picking my favorite game? Maybe, but part of what I love about this game is that it just oozes joy and positivity out of every single sprite. Disagree, and you can fight me. A few emailers have asked about Final Fantasy Tactics tips lately, so here, so I thought I might throw some out there. I sometimes like to go to Game Facts. Uh, this game faqs.com before i start a new game i either go to the message boards and look if somebody has a topic for first-time players or else i will open whatever is the highest rated uh, faq and check the table of contents for a tips and tricks section since it's in text form you don't have to worry about seeing spoilers as easily as video i find they are usually good about giving general tips about mechanics or early game advice rather than specifics like how to be a, beat a specific boss or get past a specific area. Yes, I definitely was, will second Jeffrey on that recommendation. Uh, as far as Final Fantasy Tactics specific tips, first all, <laughs> first always, and I do mean always, alternate save files. There we go. Yes, if you haven't gotten it by now, then hopefully you do have it now because yes, definitely have multiple save files, everybody. And that goes for any game, honestly. But uh, this is one where it really does matter. There are multiple points where you can get stuck at a tough battle with nowhere to level up. Early on, in the early on, get the chemist ability, ability, gain JP up, and always keep it on. You can attack your own troops and gain XP up, which is a good idea early on, especially in battles. You are on your way. You are well on your way to winning. If a human enemy dies, they leave a crystal or treasure box. The crystals are a gate are a great way to learn abilities without grinding. If an enemy is knocked out, try to extend the battle until their countdown winds out, and you can collect the crystal. Last thing I will say is that I really like to have a character with the steel abilities from the thief class. You can get some unique and very powerful weapons and cool armors and accessories. Before they are in shops, if you pay attention to what enemies have equipped, I feel like that's a good start. And Jay probably chimed in with more advice as this was being read. Jay, anything to add? No, I think
2: he covered a lot. Of, I think you covered a lot of uh, a lot of the pieces of it. Yeah, I think that's that's uh, some really good tips and suggestions. And the, the thief part does make it it makes it kind of exciting because each fight you go into, then it's like, oh, what can I what can I get from this? Like especially as you're progressing through the game, it's like, oh what can I get from this? Like, especially since to his point, it puts you a little bit ahead of
0: the curve. Right. All right, cool. He says, that's all I've got for now. Tried my best to keep it brief because I know that the email section can get laborious sometimes. Uh, if it's one of those times when a bunch of people, uh, when a bunch of people send one, especially when some people have a lot to say, <laughs> glad you have Garia on. I'm looking forward to hearing it. She was great on drunk friend. And since then I've tuned into her in into in, her Twitch channel, Several times. Later, Jeffrey.
1: Oh my goodness. That's very sweet. I'm thrilled that people are just wandering in and consuming whatever I happen to be doing on the internet on a particular day. Thank you so much for that, folks, that do decide to pursue me outside of this venue as well. Thanks so much in advance.
0: Yeah, that's super cool. Thanks, Jeffrey. Um very, very briefly. We'll do current gaming subcast if we have anything to talk about. Um, HG, we've talked about this very briefly earlier. You said you don't play a lot of current games. You said you have been playing a little Animal Crossing. Anything? Anything else that's, like? Do you play many? Like, like I know you already said not much, but like, how often do you play more modern games?
1: Pretty much never. Um, And it's not because I have anything against any current generation stuff at all. It's just mostly because I have such a large backlog of retro video games that I've collected. I just have been prioritizing those. And by I swear to God, before the time I get anywhere near current day stuff, it's going to be when it's already retro again. So, yeah, I I do have a Switch collection. Most of it's still in the shrink wrap, unfortunately. Um, But, yeah, I just... (laughs) I'm really interested in catching up on all of the things that I've already missed. So yeah, I really don't do very much modern gaming at all.
0: Unfortunately. Gotcha. Uh, Jay, anything uh, you want to talk about?
2: No, not currently. Um, I haven't really been doing a whole lot of uh, uh, recent gaming. Most of those stuff I've been doing has been classic. So. All
0: right. I don't actually, I actually don't have, I don't think anything either this time. I've been playing a lot of chess lately, sort of randomly. Wow. And uh, so that's what I've been spending a lot of my time doing besides playing instead of when I normally would be playing current games. I've been playing just a shitload of chess. I don't know what's come over me. I tried sort of like learning chess maybe about two years ago, maybe more like three years ago. And it was like no matter what I did, I was fucking terrible. I just sucked at it. And I don't really know what happened, but I randomly kind of got the urge to, to play some chess again. And I've actually gotten like, I'm definitely not good, but I'm to where I can actually win games now. Whereas before it was like, I never won a single damn game that I ever played. So, uh, I don't know what's different this time, but I'm sort of have been hooked over the past two weeks. And that's like really what I've spent my, what I've been spending my free time doing. So, uh, so I don't really have anything current gaming wise to talk about. Um, it's a first. It's a fir- Yeah, it is a first. I did just finish this again. Isn't related, but I did just finish today. I bought the the the, um, the Nintendo Lego set. You know, with like oh, yeah. <laughs> with the little TV and stuff, and uh, I just finished building that today. I gotta say. It is probably the most impressive Lego set I've ever built. Just, like, all the little details in it and uh, the way the screen, like, scrolls past a little Mario level. Like, it is... I was extremely impressed with how well this was. Like, I thought it was going to be cool, but it was much cooler than I even expected it to be. So, if you have, like, seen that and are... And have thought about maybe buying it, I say go for it because it is so cool. It even has a little, like... It can't, like part of the set is it has a NES cartridge that you build. It's, just, it's the it's the uh, like it's, it's a Mario Super Mario Brothers cartridge, and it, it can even go into the Nintendo and like push down. It has a little spring loaded thing, just like on a regular Nintendo. Um, look it up if you haven't seen it because it even has like like I said, it's got the Mario level on the TV that you wind a little crank and it like scrolls through a little Mario level. It is nuts. It's super cool. So, uh, yeah, haven't been playing much games, but I have been building my Mario, my Nintendo Lego set and playing chess. And that's about it. Uh, with that, I think that's going to be a wrap for episode 149. I don't think we are. Uh... Jay, we got the big 150 coming up next. and I just I don't think we're doing anything <laughs> special for it. Yeah, not as a, no, no. You got any ideas? Maybe we'll, maybe we'll like eat a steak or something like that. Like awesome during the episode. How about that? Or donuts?
2: Uh, more on the side of donuts.
0: Bring your favorite food to episode 150. How about that? That's going to be our special thing. And we're going <laughs> to eat 150 up.
2: calories.
0: No, more than that. It's going to be more than that. <laughs> if <laughs> your favorite, if your favorite food is a hundred is only 150 calories, you're not like, what are you like? You're not living life.
1: <laughs> you might as well just have a glass of water at that point
0: right <laughs> yeah exactly let's do that let's bring our favorite food to episode 150 like jay let's about, do it. 150 how
2: about 150 grams of sugar is that, is that like... <laughs>
0: Dude, 150 donuts can we do it Excellent. yeah whoa, whoa, whoa. can we do this can we bring our favorite food to the next episode <laughs> i really want to now sure i'll do it Okay. Are you really going to do it?
2: Oh my God. We're going to get sleepy halfway through from the food. <laughs> I'm
0: okay. Down, I'm down. Okay. Let's do it. Favorite, favorite, f- favorite food item to the next episode, whatever that may be. It'll be a surprise. I think I've already said mine though. Um, and, uh, okay. Yeah. So you guys have that to look forward to. It's going to be fucking nuts up in here. Um, next top five, as I said, is top five games that you hate the most. Our game of the quarter is Civ 4, so if you want to write in your thoughts on that uh, for the episode that we talk about that, please do so. Let me see. Jay, is that going to be the next episode? Depending on when we do it, I think the next episode... So this one was a little bit late, um, so we could record on the weekend. The next one, if we stay on schedule, would be August 8th? You mean September. Yes, thank you. And then the next one after that will be September 29th. So I think so I think, Game of the Quarter will be two episodes from now. It's not going to be the next yeah, one. Yeah, I was going to say,
2: based on our scheduling so far, it's probably going to be the 29th.
0: Okay, so probably it's going to be the 29th or somewhere around there. It's definitely not going to be uh, earlier than that. Yeah. So uh, we got two episodes before Game of the Quarter. But again, it's Civ four. If you want to uh, play that and then write in your thoughts for when we talk about that, please do so. Um And then now it's time for for us to plug all our stuff. I am at King Octavius on uh, Twitter. Please feel free to follow me there. You can follow the podcast. We are at Class Gamescast. Please uh, leave us amazing reviews on iTunes and tell all of your friends to listen to us. Again, our email address for sending us whatever the hell you want to send us is mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. And Hungry Guria, why don't you uh, take it away and plug all, all of your stuff?
1: Sure. Uh, you can find me at Hungry Guria all over the place, on Twitter, on Twitch, and on YouTube. Um, I p- am streaming on Twitch three nights a week on Sundays, Mondays, and Thursdays, if you ever want to see some live gameplay on original hardware. And YouTube is a, a little bit more sporadic, but I try to upload every two to three weeks with some review-based stuff, and that's about it. I have an Instagram account. And I never post there. So don't follow me there. But follow me other places on the internet. And thanks in advance for that if you do.
0: Do you? Can you give us a teaser of what's coming up on your next stream?
1: On the next stream, it's going to be more Seventh Saga. Because um, I got to play that one until it's finished. Okay. Uh, the next YouTube review that I'm working on right now is actually for... Um, <laughs> I just keep laughing at this game. It's so ridiculous. It's Robin Hood Prince of Thieves for NES, <laughs> which I streamed a couple of months ago, and I had a freaking laughter meltdown at the end of that game because it is just so silly. And I'm just going to spoil it for you right now because okay. it's based on the movie. So, you know, if you've seen Robin Hood Prince of Thieves, you know at the end of that Robin and Marion, they get married and then they have their magical kiss, right? Mm-hmm. And the way that they portrayed it in the NES game it's just like, I don't even have words. All I can do is laugh, but I'll do my best. So, pretty much they have this zoom-in on Marion and Robin's face. And Marion looks like she's sick. She doesn't look well. There's something the matter with her. Her eyes are closed. She's kind of frowning. And then, the guy who's supposed to be Kevin Costner, he, they do like this janky, really jerky movement of his head, like three giant frames <laughs> over... And their faces don't actually touch. And they do the, you just got an item music. It's
3: just
1: like- <laughs> and, and it's just like the re- most ridiculous thing. I literally cried laughing three times. To- I watched it three times on the end of my stream when that happened. And I was in the process of sending my chat off to a raid to raid another channel. And I couldn't even breathe or talk anymore. It was just so <laughs> ridiculous. Anyway. So that's I think,
0: what you have to look forward to. <laughs> I think I just found a picture. Uh, tell me if this is it. I'll put it in our chat here. So, yeah. Um, it's at this link. If you scroll down just a tiny bit. I see what looks like a sick person. About to be kissed by a dude.
1: That is the one.
0: And I, I, I can. When you said the item. Like all I can. All I can think of is like the zelda music when you get something out of a chest doo, 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 doo.
1: <laughs> that's literally almost the noise and you see i just posted in discord um because as a twitch affiliate or a twitch partner you can upload your own emotes and oh, i actually nice. did some pixel art of that because it's so ridiculous and i call it hgo passion so it ends up <laughs> filling up chats as I'm playing various games whenever something really wonderful happens so it's become a little bit of something that just has brought me a lot of joy so I'm looking forward to talking about the game in that form like video form and like I love the movie I loved the game it was so cheesy and wonderful but yeah this is just the culmination of NES like everything that NES is (laughs) in terms of difficulty in terms of cheese in terms of using your imagination when they can't even connect two faces on a screen That's everything that classic gaming is to me.
0: Yeah. That is amazing.
1: Mm -hmm. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you. Um, Thank you for joining us. This was really, really tons of fun. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Oh, no, I'm so honored. Like I said earlier, like I'm just so happy that you thought to ask me and it's just such a joy. Like I found in my adult life, just speaking with people about games and connecting with people over a common interest like this has just been such a wonderful thing for me to be able to be doing in my casual day to day and you two are obviously no different. So thank you very, very much for thinking of me and for inviting me on. And I've had probably at least just as much as fun as you guys have.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm very glad to hear that. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm glad it wasn't too, well, maybe it was too long for you, but at least you hit it pretty well if, if, if it was. Um, but I think we'll have to add you into the rotation now of, of SNES drunk and gaming Jay. And our friends over uh, at IndiePod, and I think I think we're gonna have to have a fourth occasional special guest now. So if if you'll come back sometime, uh, we'll definitely do it again.
1: I would love to. Yeah, definitely stick me in there. <laughs> awesome.
0: Sure. We'll do. Um, and I think that's a wrap. Jay, is there anything that I'm leaving out, or are we good to uh, to to call this one a a show? I think we're good. All right. Well, thank you again, everybody, for listening. And uh, we will see you all in about three weeks.